afternoon, Mr. Escalante. Should I call you Mr. Catton? You are Frank Catton, formerly of the Tropicana, the Desert Inn, and the New York State Penitentiary System. Are you not? Take it from your silence that you're not going to refute that. Mr. Benedict, I'm afraid you've been employing an ex-convict. And as you know, the NGC... Gundam cracker. Excuse me? You heard what I said. Black man can't earn a decent wage in this state. That is Bro, absolutely like inappropriate, sir. I'm trying to do my job, yeah, sir. Do your job. What you want from me, man? Want me to get on the table and dance? You like me to shine your shoes? Want me to smile at you? You definitely won't let me deal the cars. You might as well call it White Jack. Bingo. Sorry, Mr. Man, I just resent the implication that race has anything to do with it. Yeah, right. Horrible thing to say. <laughs> you, sir, of all people know that we at the NGC have always supported the hiring of colored... No, no, I didn't mean... I didn't, I didn't okay, mean... Okay, okay, come on, sit down. Sit down. You better talk to him. everyone welcome back to gundam at mhq this is one of your hosts neil and as always i am joined here with soul bro and chris guys say hello hey yo welcome to the show hey <laughs> how you doing <laughs> is this now the sopranos a little bit of arthur fonzarelli mixed in <laughs> hey you you, uh, you had a problem with uh, someone in Waste management, you can discriminate and say that I'm some kind of a goomba in organized crime? Are you a racist or something? <laughs> hey, where's the jukebox I can hit? Hey! <laughs> For the yeah. record, I feel very offended by your statements. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't make any statements. <laughs> is it, or, is it I think if you know what's good for you, you'll retract them, like now. Okay. <laughs> all what I mean. Consider all statements retracted. Is it Columbus Day already? Yeah, right. <laughs> oh. Heritage, not hate, right? <laughs> much, much props to our Italian listeners. Much props. <laughs> All right. And this is uh, episode 96 of Gundam and MHQ. And this episode, we're going to have a special guest from the uh, MHQ uh, review panel and a uh, review board. Uh, oh, Chris's oh review board. Oh, I, yeah. yeah it, stuff. I didn't even know yeah. I had one. Yes, there you go. News to uh, me. I don't know what his exact title is. I don't know if he's senior, slave. junior, slave, <laughs> slave editor. <laughs> Chris gets all his uh, all his reviews from Foxconn. <laughs> I have a contract with him. But uh, uh, Scott Richardson, who will be joining us on our first topic, which is a short OVA, very short OVA called Time of Eve. And no, it's not what you think. Um, and we'll be discussing that with him. And in, in the second segment, we're going to be doing an extended, our quarterly uh, mailbag uh, cleanup. You know, we do this every quarter. It's like uh, it's like when I was working corporate accounting there. It's like uh, quarterly accounting adjustments. It's the same thing with uh, with mailbag. Now it's we get we get we get a little backed up. We just got to make those adjustments there. <laughs> but um, so we'll be doing that. But before we begin, um, 
those segments. We're going to be doing uh, some Neo's listener submitted news articles. And these are always, if you have anything there, you can always go to the Neo's listener submitted news articles thread in the Megatalk forum and in the Gundam section. So the first one here, and this is kind of appropriate considering um, that I'm going to stop networking all my systems after uh, reviewing Time of Eve. This is coming from uh, Gundam Type Zero, and there are now, it's from the Anime News Network, there's some Pat Labor wireless network towers that are going to be sold. So, it, yeah, there's an intelligent t- uh, tower that resembles the Ingrams from Pat Labor with its movable ear antenna, color e- LED lights, and warning sirens. It stands about 67 centimeters, or 26 inches tall, and about two, two and a half inches in diameter. And uh, the lights are red, yellow, blue, and white indicators. So you can use, uh, yeah, it's got it. It's pretty cool. There's a picture of it there. And, um, you know, definitely something cool for the uh, Pat Labor fan. But, uh, like, you'll find out. This is, like, one of the weirdest tie-ins I've ever seen of anything. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's it's, it's an antenna that sort of looks like the antenna on an Ingram and nothing more. (laughs) It just shows you if you slap the name on something, people will buy it. So Probably. There you go. Um, but thank you, Mr. Gundam Type Zero, for your submission. Uh, next one here comes from um, Mechton GM. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is coming from the io9 blog. And um, hmm, I don't really know how to go into this. Um, oh, George Lucas, you guys have heard of him, right? Um, oh, never. To- Likes to Never heard of him. Don't like him. <laughs> likes to destroy his legacy. Uh, well, uh, he's he's gone into the old time machine, and uh, he is now claiming. And this is uh, this. I'm just the messenger on this one. Oh. Uh, this, this is from uh, <laughs> from I said the Io9 blog here. Uh, George Lucas now claims that Greedo, the green guy that Han Solo shot in the first Star Wars, mm-hmm. uh, he shot first because I was always my impression that Han shot first, right? That's what it kind of looked like, and that's what it was always talked about. But um, mm-hmm. that's what it clearly looked like. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, now it's uh, now he's saying in his uh, in a new review uh, interview with Hollywood Reporter, he he dresses saying that um, Han Solo, the controversy of who shot first, Greedo or Han Solo, in Episode Four. What I did was try to clean up the confusion, but obviously it upset people oh, be- yeah, because yeah. they wanted Solo to be a cold-blooded killer, but actual, but actually he isn't. It's all done in close-ups. So it's very confusing about what, what, who did what to whom. I put a little wider shot to make it clear that Greedo is the one who shot first, but everyone wanted to think that Han shot first because they wanted to think that he actually gunned him down. So um, yeah, that's uh, that's the new that's the new thing here. Uh, okay, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Okay, oh, oh, oh. you you stupid, stupid old man. Not me. Not, me. <laughs> Not you. Uh, okay. 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 Uh, George Lucas apparently seems to believe in the concept of wikiality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that if you just if you just uh, edit something on Wikipedia, that that makes it reality. <laughs> and, and no, no, a thousand times no. It's not about a wider shot. He photoshopped in. A laser blast from Greedo that goes off to the side and completely misses Han. How do you, if you are like a hired thug and you have a blaster on someone underneath the table, how do you miss at point blank range? <laughs> how, how is that possible? No, George Lucas, it is completely clear. 
because I have seen the original versions of these movies. I still have my THX edition on VHS. I know what that scene was, and Han shot first. There is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's not a debatable point. And for all of you Lucas defenders out there, go screw yourselves. You know, <laughs> stop, stop defending the guy and look at reality. No, he is trying to change it because I guess maybe he had a change of heart and he doesn't want uh, Han to come across as a cold-blooded killer. But that's what he did. It is what it is. This is, and he's saying that he's trying to clip the confusion. He caused it. There was no confusion. <laughs> it was clear for 20 years that Han shot first. No one ever, I, and I was in to Star Wars fandom since I was a little kid, but even like all the buzz when they re-released the THX version, I never heard any discussion from anyone prior to the special edition like, hey, uh, I'm not so sure about that scene. Did, uh, did Greedo shoot first or was it Han? It's kind of hard to tell. Yeah. <laughs> no, that never ever once happened prior to 1997. This guy is so full of crap. Well, my question is, isn't Han Solo like a pirate? <laughs> I yes, mean, he's a pirate. He's, he's he not killed, a good guy. He's, he's, he's a smuggler, he's, technically. He's a, he's a morally gray, sort of questionable guy yeah. who has a heart of gold. Basically, he's like a space Nathan Drake. Pretty right. much. But would you blame him for wanting to kill some guy who's after him, who's got a gun on him? Yeah. But that's no, what can't. he did. It's he, part of his character. It's exactly. what he did, and it's a fundamental change. This is... Even dumber than when uh, Steven Spielberg photoshopped all of like the guns out of ET and put like walkie talkies in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it said that Spielberg had 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 a had a come to Jesus moment where he realized least, how stupid well, that was. I don't think you should say that he had a come to Jesus. <laughs> oh yeah, he's Jewish. <laughs> he's Jewish. <laughs> come, uh, come, uh, come to Yahweh. Uh, come to Yahweh moment. <laughs> he had he had an epiphany. To keep it uh, non-religious. Whatever. Let's just get beyond <laughs> he that. Had an, he had an epiphany, and he realized that he made a mistake, and, and he's de-edited uh, E.T. So at least he realized it. Too bad he doesn't have the uh, ability to tell his friend that he should do the same. My question is, is what do all those people that uh, you, you see them wearing all the shirts that say Han shot first at all the conventions, what do they do with those shirts now? Do they get rid of them? They, they, still, they still wear oh, them as hard it, as they can. It's the, the, the fight against uh, Lucas's revisionist history. Maybe that's why he wants to never release the original versions, so that eventually, like, once all those videotapes are destroyed and all those DVDs are gone, you know, people will come to think that, yeah, Greedo did shoot first just yeah. because the historical record has been altered with his false statements and <laughs> the lack of the original evidence being present. So I think that's part of his nefarious plot. People will will eventually think 20 or 30 years from now, yeah, Greedo shot first. Why wouldn't he have shot first? And they'll think that that Hayden Christensen was always in the end of Return of the Jedi as a Force ghost. (laughs) Hey, man. You know, the the, the thing that just kills me about it is the people still pay. They still shell out the money, even the ones that complain about it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because you know what? I could care less about this. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he could really care less about who shot first. I understand that. I understand Chris's rage because it is just stupid now. It's just, but it, it's. It, why do we even get surprised about this now? I think you know I, this. The the death of this man will go to yeah. to try to change history. I mean, it's not even like I don't even particularly care about the issue of Han or Greedo. It's just this this guy's mendacity. 
yeah. of just saying such a blatantly false thing that is such a distortion of the truth, no matter yeah. what it is. Yeah, because in five seconds you can go to YouTube and see the truth for yourself. Yeah, <laughs> plain and simple. Well, it's un- until the cease and desist start oh, going. Yeah. Yes, but so. I mean, then, then, then right behind it, there'll be another hey, another one it, posted. <laughs> at least there'll always be someone like Red Letter Media fighting yeah. against the man. Hell yes, truth. <laughs> He'll probably the greatest reviewer of films ever. <laughs> Which, by the way, uh, I would also I would recommend people if you haven't seen Red Letter Media's reviews of uh, the prequel trilogy. <laughs> you absolutely should. You should. Especially since now he's put out a special, special 3D version of his review for Phantom Menace to coincide with the uh, the 3D re-release. Oh, hell no. Which is hilarious. <laughs> because I'll spoil the gimmick for you guys because it's pretty hilarious. But mm-hmm. uh, like the whole video, it's, it's all got a fuzzy uh, red and green outline to it. <laughs> <laughs> To indicate you're supposed to put on the uh, the, the crappy old 3D glasses. glasses. Oh, nice. And he put he throws in random like really crappy like 3D things popping towards you. <laughs> totally out of random, like so bad looking, but it just it just makes it even more funny. That's so nice. watch the watch Red Letter Media's 3D review of. <laughs> Phantom Menace. I'm queuing that up later. <laughs> this is awesome. Yeah, those those are. I, I second those reviews are incredible. Uh, the depths that he goes into uh, in, into just the minutia of of the series, and he keeps it entertaining the entire time. You think the gimmick would get old? It doesn't. <laughs> hey, no one ever gets tired of laughing at some uh, tied up woman in a basement. No doubt. <laughs> I'll, uh, thank you. Uh... Mr. Mechtim GM for your submission, and, and actually thank you, George Lucas, because I know probably in two weeks we'll, we'll you'll be revising something else too. So um, <laughs> it, it, it's actually becoming uh, it's becoming a, a part of our daily routine now. What mm-hmm. what will George re- revise today? Okay, I put my money on he'll say that um, Salacious Crumb is uh, is a dark lord. <laughs> okay. Guarantee it. That that'll be the next thing. Salacious Crumb was always a dark lord. He was oh, okay. the third dark lord. Ew. Oh, okay. <laughs> Makes sense, but uh, I'm all sure. Right. Moving on. Next one here is from one of our favorite Australians, Vent Noir. And this is coming from the Anime News Network. And uh, this is actually pretty good news. Uh, the Gundam Age and C Blu rays are going to have English subs in their Japan, uh, Japanese releases. So, so you can uh, feel slightly less ripped off by your ripoff? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> So uh, they've announced the first two Mobile Suit Gundam Age Blu-ray disc and the first Mobile Suit Gundam uh, Seed Remaster. Uh, that, that can't wait to see that uh, chopping those heads off. Is that Kira? Well, the uh, the first Age Blu-ray is already out now. So okay, well, whatever. But um, it's um, they're going to have English subtitles. So uh, that's that's some good news. So if you like to get ripped off, uh, you can probably find those online. But thank you, Mister Vent Noir, for your submission. And uh, wow, this is this is some exciting stuff. Uh, Namco Bandai, um, you know, they haven't closed up yet. Just uh, just the distribution parts when it comes to anime. Uh, there, there's a Star Trek video game that's going to be coming in 2013 from them. Oh, and yeah, there you go. You can uh, play as your as Captain Kirk and Spock, and not not too much uh, right now. Um, 
about the game because it's still got a ways to go, but we'll definitely keep you updated on that. So, Gee, uh, a licensed game by Bandai. I'm sure it'll be amazing. Yeah, I think so. And that, that was from Shinigami New Type. So uh, thank you for your submission there. And the next one here is actually another one from Shinigami New Type. And this is, um, this is coming uh, from a place where that's probably close to... Uh, um, Solbro's heart, shoryuken.com. What? And, uh, yeah, oh, that's our day, baby. Yeah. Oh, hmm? All right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Nan- Nan- Namco Bandai is opening up a new development company called Namco Bandai Studio. Uh-huh. And, uh, what it's essentially going to use it as is the development wing of Namco Bandai games with current projects like Tekken, Soul Calibur, and Gundam all coming together under a single company. Oh, wow. It's just them. some corporate shuffling of consolidation of their other studios. It's nothing, mm. it's nothing yeah. fancy. This, well, I was going to do the buzzwords here, Chris. This will oh, help sorry. streamline development. Synergy. As well, <laughs> make the whole process much quicker in the future. This all goes in effect starting April 2nd. Synergy, oh, synergy. Synergy. <laughs> fun, fun fact, the last couple of Tekken games have had, uh, have, have had references to Gundam in them, uh, especially the O'Neill cylinders and fighting on um, space colonies. I'm not a big Tekken player, but I did notice that. It's pretty cool looking, those stages. So just throwing that out there. Just throwing okay. it out. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no, that's since like Tekken 4. Well, you're welcome. I, I, like I said, I, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't realize this till just recently. So, hey, color me late to the party. <laughs> Okay. Always. Um, Wait, weren't those O'Neill cylinders in Dead or Alive? Yeah, I don't. Were I never played. Never pl- te- yeah, that's Dead or Alive. That's not Tekken. No, no, it, it was in Tekken Five. Te- Tekken, Tekken Five's got. And and, and Street, Street Fighter Cross Tekken has a stage that's on um one of the uh, the solar uh solar towers that that you, that were featured in Double O. There's a stage where you're on an elevator that goes up. So well, uh, it's, 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 it's still. It's probably similar to what it was. It's similar. It, it's it's yeah. all it's all I theory mean, stuff. Are, so I mean, but I'm I think just, I think I think it's more sober reaching. Hey, well, <laughs> you're welcome. Funimation <laughs> grasping. Funimation grasping. Indeed. Six, six degrees of sober here. <laughs> That's gonna be the new term. Funimation grasping. Nice. Yeah. So that should be in TV tropes when when you're trying too hard. <laughs> Make a connection that doesn't exist. You're finished grasping. With your boy soul, bro. <laughs> so uh, thank you, Mr. Shinigami Newtype, for your submission there. Mm-hmm. Um, next one here comes from Enate, Enate Dude. And uh, it's, oh, man, this is, I, don't even, I, almost, I almost need Chris to, uh, to do this one for me because this is coming straight from MichaelBay.com. Brace yourself. <laughs> You can't, are you unable to look at the, the full uh, spelling, michaelbay.com, and, and be able to like look at the words of your Lord and not, not feel blasphemous? Well, I'll be honest with you. When you click on the article here, it has a picture of him up on the banner there. And behind him is the American flag. He's got his hat on, and he's got, he's got uh, headphones around his neck because you know, he just did a great scene or something. <laughs> it's, something exploded. Yeah, and it's a it's a battle scarred American flag, so you know. Oh man, I don't know, but uh, okay, you're getting too excited here, buddy. Oh yeah. boy, <laughs> but uh, it's Tell been that. announced by Paramount Pictures that director Michael Bay has signed a two picture deal with the studio, which commit and uh, it's commenced the spring of filming of a, a movie called Pain and Gain, and it's going to be followed by the next installment of tr- the Transformers franchise. So, um, man, that's good stuff there. So thank you. Um, Thank you, Mr. Ene, dude, for that. And um, I know, uh, based on the last 
uh, Transformers movie, this one will be good, great also. So, uh, as long as there's no goof la Thank you, uh, thank you, Sir Bay, for, uh, for everything that you've done for America. <laughs> well, um, next one here comes from uh, Gundam Type Zero, and uh, there's a new show coming out called Space Cobra, Space Adventure Cobra Anime, and it's a film that's going to be released on DVD, uh, and it's going to include uh, a Japanese language soundtrack with English subtitles. So, uh, well, it's not I'm new, just, it's just it's the old movie. Well, it's wow. the old movie, but it's, it's being re-released. That's what I meant. Sorry. Uh, thank you, Mr. Editor-in-Chief. Um, <laughs> thank you, Mr. Javison. Where's <laughs> that kid, Parker? I need pictures. And thank you, Mr. Gundam Type Zero, for your submission there. You're no good, Parker. Get out of here. That's cool that that's coming out here. I remember seeing, Space, Ad- <laughs> I remember seeing Space Adventure Cobra back in the day. It's exactly. a really cool series. But this is the film, not the oh, series. Well, then, damn. There you go. But we, we got to start somewhere. Next one here comes from Nasty Nate. Man, Namco Bandai's really been in it. The, oh, man. Namco. A couple of things, yes. Um, circular Calendars. Uh, the, the new Eureka 7 uh, sh- uh, anime is going to begin broadcasting on April 12th. But uh, Namco Bandai has... Um, Announced that there's going to be a movie, or not a movie, a video game that's going to coincide with this. I, I got to take a breath from the Michael Bay. From the, uh, what an anime tie-in video game from Bandai! No, 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 no. It. Oh yeah, I know. Who knew? I'm sure, it'll, I'm sure it'll be amazing, like all of the but, other Eureka Seven games. So uh, it, oh, it was no. announced that they're going to be doing this, and they do have a uh, teaser site. So uh, all those big fans of uh, Eureka Seven and. Um, Bandai tie-in video games. Uh, definitely uh, check it out there. So, um, next one here is from the Goose, and uh, this comes from Spinoff Online, and this coincides with the uh, the survey announcement that we had earlier. Uh, it's gonna. It's been kind of kind of talked about here that the cast from the previous Transformers movies will not be returning in the fourth one. Thank God. No more Good. <laughs> <laughs> So it just talks about here. Uh, I guess they spoke to um, the uh, the guy Josh Dumal, the guy that was the captain, and mm-hmm. uh, he uh, he said that he he told uh, E Online that Goofa Boof is not going to be doing it, and he, he doesn't think that uh, Tyrese or Rosie Huntington Whiteley is going to be returning, which kind of sucks. But there's plenty of uh, Victoria's Secret models out there that we can uh, <laughs> make in the love interest. So. Um, We'll keep you abreast of that because anytime that there's um, survey news, we, we must keep you informed. And based on all the movies that are coming out now, we definitely need more survey movies. So, um, but that's the news. And thank you, Mr. Goose, for your submission. And thank you for everyone else that have done their submissions uh, for this episode. And if you ever have anything, like I said before, always go to the Neos Listener Submitted News Articles thread in the Gundam section of the Mega Talk forum. So, um, Guys, anything before we go into a first uh, segment here, talking about Time of Eve? Universe? <laughs> so are, are you tapping Has your rage decided? Are, are you slowly building your rage meter again <laughs> for a next episode for whatever uh, the, the, the fat one does? <laughs> but, the, the flanneled one. <laughs> but, uh, Support America, yeah, okay. buy war bonds. That's my statement. 
All right. Well, um, we'll be uh, back in a little bit. You're listening to Gundam and MHQ. Suddenly, there was a terrible roar all around us, and the sky was full of what looked like huge bats, all swooping and screeching and diving around the car. And a voice was screaming, Holy, Holy Jesus, Jesus, what are these goddamn animals? I thought they smelled bad on the outside, on the subject of Cowboy Bebop. So, but anyway, going back to uh, the good parts that I missed, all right, uh, face boobs. Face boobs. <laughs> I have to say, that yet, was but... not a good part for me. That's something I didn't really pay attention to. I enjoyed the boobs. 13-year-old thirteen year old uh, adolescent David would like to have an argument with you, ma'am. <laughs> oh, I can see how you would have enjoyed that. Hey. It's just, are you more of a leg person? Is that why you weren't looking at her boobs? Because her <laughs> oh, legs no. are nice, too. <laughs> no, it's just that, you see, I have my own set. I really don't need to worry about hers. That's the best argument I've ever heard. <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, Seriously, no I'm dumbfounded uh, by that argument. Being... Congratulations, <laughs> you won the show. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> Please check our website at sbopodcast.blogspot.com. What's up, Gundam Nation? As you well know, episode 100 is right around the corner. But to make it a Hallmark episode, we'll need your help. Head on over to Gundam.net and find the show notes for this episode or the post titled Episode 100, Listener Participation Project. Once you're there and have read the instructions on what to do, call the number listed in those steps for the Shinjuku Station Special Projects line. And leave a message pertaining to one of these two subjects. Shit, Gundam listeners say. You like Gundam Double O? You know that's just a ripoff of Wing, right? And Season 2? That's just Wing and Zeta. And your favorite Gundam moment. Neo, Chris, and Solbro, congratulations on reaching Episode 100. There's been a lot of great memories, from the G-Savior episode to the Wings of Rean segment. The deadline for submissions is April 1st, 2012. So don't sleep. Head on over to Gundam.net and help make episode 100 of Gundam at MAHQ a memorable one. I am not handsome. I, I am not handsome. They blow my car! They blow my car! They blow my car! Gundam shame. They blow my Gundam car and all you got to say is the Gundam shame! No car, no money, you're having a bad day. That's it! I'm through with you, man! I'm calling some of my homies, I'm getting alone, and I'm stepping the f*** off!
everybody. Welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. In this segment, we're going to review an original net animation uh, anime series uh, that uh, came out in, uh, well, uh, it, it came out in 2010. And, um, I'm oh, sorry, 2008 through 2009. The movie came out in 2010. It is a, uh, a, a, a series called Time of Eve. And um, it is written and directed by Yasuhiro Yoshi, Yoshiura, um, who also worked on Pale Cocoon. Um, it takes place in, I'd say, the near future. It doesn't really specify what time it is, but um, a future where androids have become a part of society and they serve mankind. Um, they are kind of mistreated by people. It, uh, it kind of touched a raw nerve for me, and we'll, we'll explain why later. Because but uh, you're an android? <laughs> <laughs> is that why? Because you're a robot? I'm such a robot. <laughs> robot but, rights! Down with the humans! But the show comes in time for Black History Month, and uh, it's right on time for that. <laughs> no, it's when you watched it. It's not. So, so what are, not. You, are, you, are you Black Bender? I, <laughs> not really. Civil rights, y'all. Civil rights for androids. Let's go. <laughs> we don't want no robosexuals here. It's no, a sin. <laughs> no robots allowed. None. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it, it takes place in the near future, and the main character of this is uh, Rikuo Saki, Saki Saka. And um, he's a high school student, um, a former player of the piano who gave it up for some unknown reason. Uh, lives with his uh, mother. No reason. Did you watch the show? Well, we'll get into that. Just like everything else. <laughs> <laughs> He's trying to do a little narrative here. Yeah, I'm, saying, I'm, uh, trying, I'm trying to explain. I, let me just give everything away at the beginning. <laughs> no, he's a high school student, and um, he's doted on by his uh, robot, and uh, his android uh, caretaker, and her name is Sammy. And um, he pretty much uh, is is, I guess, way too involved with her because he's always trying to find out where she's going. And um, I, I guess you know he's just curious to see you know. How robots behave, or if they uh, if they function on their own, and he's always just keeping tabs on her. Uh, he's got a a good friend at school called uh, Masakazu Masaki, and uh, he's also got a little bit of a, a beef with robots or, or androids, and um, claims to not have one uh, at home himself. And uh, one particular day, they're talking about his uh, his, uh they're talking about Sammy uh, and uh, her whereabouts, and uh, Rikuo he manages he he mentions two. Uh, Masaki, that uh, she, uh, Sammy's going to, uh, I guess her, her movements are a little off kilter than, than normal. And she went to a place that, uh, that he, he doesn't recognize her normally going. So they decide to go investigate and they find this little uh, cafe on, on, uh, in town called uh, Time of Eve. And when they go in there, they're, they're met with uh, a, a caretaker of Time of Eve that, that's there. And uh, her name is. Uh, Sorry, uh, Nagi. Gone. Nagi. Thank you. God, <laughs> her name's Nagi, and she greets them. And then they see the sign where uh, the time of Eve is a place where there is no segregation between uh, robots and humans. Because in society, uh, there's places where robots are, are androids are not allowed to go, and um, they are they're, they're, You can tell who's an android because they have a halo above their head, a, li- a halo of light that displays information and it kind of signifies that they're not human even though if they didn't have that you would not be able to tell that they were uh, an android at all but in a, a time of eve they don't have to keep that above their heads it's a it's kind of a neutral space where androids and humans can and interact and treat each other as equals so they go in and they're a little put off by this but as they meet the people 
that are inside a time of Eve and get to know them, their opinions of uh, androids change throughout the series, and they meet all different kinds throughout the show. But um, it's a it's 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 a fun series, and uh, before we get uh, before I get m- more into my review of it, I'm going to toss it over to Scott to give his uh, impressions. Our special guest Scott, who's uh, with us for this review here, I'll go ahead and toss it to him to see um, what his impressions of the series are. Go ahead, Scott. Um, Time of Eve is basically a slice of life uh, robot story, kind of in the vein of the old Asimov robot stories. Um, down to even the point where they have the three laws of robotics that Isaac Asimov wrote back in the 40s. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's um, pretty down to earth as far as most sci-fi go, which is you know pretty refreshing uh, as far as things go these days. Um, there's no real you know climactic battles or uh, you know violence really or anything like that. It's pretty much just about the characters and how they go about in this world where humans and robots look exactly alike but are treated completely differently. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's uh, you know it's a character drama, obviously, uh, mostly Absolutely. about yeah. <laughs> um, actually, probably less about the main character near the end than it is about his friend, who seems to carry most of the dramatic weight. Mm-hmm. At least as far as you know, the conclusion of the show goes. Um, but yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's about the half of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, in any uh, throughout the series, uh, I, I know that uh, you pretty much get, I would say, standalone stories based on the different characters that are um, that inhabit a, a, a time of Eve. And um, did you have any uh, particular episode that was uh, your favorite? Oh, pretty every episode was very solid um mm. probably one of my favorites was the more comedic one i think it was the fourth episode <laughs> where they yeah everybody knows which one i'm talking about <laughs> yeah um a robot that is clearly not human comes into the cafe <laughs> and attempts to pass itself off as human and in order to not you know it's clearly falling apart and barely holding together so in order to keep it from exploding in their faces they have to <laughs> attempt to convince it that it is passing as human and um well hilarity ensues from there more or less (laughs) well what what makes that episode and like the whole like uh sort of danger of it is the terminator vision and the little terminator music cues And it's like the, the directorial style at those times where you think he's just the robot's going to wild out is <laughs> yeah. the best. You know, there's, there's one particular scene where um it's coming up behind someone and it looks like it's about to strike and he just pulls up a chair and sits down. <laughs> yeah. Or when it's trying to drink uh, the coffee. Oh yeah. And they keep imagining like it's gonna its head's gonna explode. <laughs> like no, it has a little sippy tank. Ooh. Oh man. And they're or like, they're... why does it have that? <laughs> The character's horror when the little girl comes out and clearly is not willing to play along with this whole the robot is a human thing. They tell it, they tell it homeboy to get her out. <laughs> she's saying that she's a cat, which just confuses it even more. <laughs> yeah, the the sci-fi callbacks are kind of all over the place in Time mm-hmm. of Eve. Um, I even enjoyed it one part early on when one of the characters calls. Uh, uh, Masaki, a Blade Runner, yeah. just out of hand. 
and he's busy trying to figure out who's a robot and who's not. Yeah. I, that, that, that's the aspect of the show and you don't really find out the identity of um all the all the characters that inhabit time of eve whether some of them are robots or are humans i mean you get the gist for most of them but um there are some that are ambiguous and i, I like that about the series too um but a- any other thoughts at all about the series overall um i think it's uh i mean it really obviously falls in with the old asimov short stories mm-hmm. um which you know is a lot of fun because those or some of my favorite old stories, but uh, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of. I guess the most interesting part of it is that you know they're trying to show how these robots are basically no real different than humans. Um, and I think one of the, my favorite things, as far as the directorial aspects, were the way since the halos, the little holographic halos, are the only real physical difference between the humans and most of the robots mm-hmm. they constantly use frame the sh- they frame the shots uh, so you can't see whether someone has a halo or not yes indeed and then they you know pull back near the end to reveal the truth which i thought was always very well used throughout the series mm-hmm. very good uh a very good um a cinematic uh cinematic choice I, I i like that too that way there's always an air of mystery until the big reveal but excellent um Neo, uh, your thoughts, sir? I was completely creeped out the whole time watching this. Of course you were. <laughs> because you're, a, you're, a, you're a, a robophobe. I am a robophobe. <clears throat> you're a raging robophobe instilled uh, in you by, by the Admiral. Yes, I, as I was watching this, I was clutching all the tomes against the Robot Rebellion. You know, Battlestar, Blade Runner, Damn the Matrix. Damn they're special! <laughs> I was completely, completely. It was just. I was just completely creeped out. He was waiting uh, for Dean. He was waiting for Dean Stockwell to show up. Especially, uh, <laughs> especially since you couldn't tell without the um, without the halos that they actually were robots or not. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it did creep me out though a little bit. I mean, in all seriousness, because it, it's it's a good show for what it is, and you know all that stuff. Like you said, with the fourth episode, I mean, it was hilarious. I mean, all that stuff is just great. Um, because, you know, you just come in, and it's like rattling. Like it sounds like a bunch of like spoons and like metal pails. I was just like kind of walking in. I'm like, what the hell? And it, 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 it you know, it, it, all of the stuff dealing with, um, you know, Riku and 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 you know, him trying to figure out what's going on and who's a robot, who's not a robot, and then getting all the, um, you know, throughout the show, you get the little reveals of each character. Pretty much, uh, are they or aren't they? Some are still kind of ambiguous, I guess, but for the most part, we see. And then, of course, at the end, we see what this whole thing's about, which um, made it even creepier. I think that's what really kind of set me off was the end of the. The, the you know episode six at the end when you see that this thing is all contrived by like the company that's making these things and it's just like oh my god that's just so and and you know it, it it it's a lot of social commentary too because one of the things that they talk about are what are they the dorkies dorkies or the people Dorkies. that Dorkies, the people that um you know that are all about the robots try to tr- treat them like um equals. you know equals and I forget who said it, but it was kind of mentioned. They're like, yeah, they, they have no problem speaking to the robots, but yet they have a problem interacting with humans at, at, uh, you know, in real life. And it was like, wow, that sounds like now with people with Facebook and stuff like that. It's like, you know, they could, they could, they could be one thing, one thing to one thing and, and, and not be able to interact with anybody outside of that. But, um, I mean, 
it, it I, I think if you want something that and especially like um Scott had said, it's it's um you know, it's a, it's a sci-fi adventure, but it's not one of these things where there's no big climactic battle. There's, you know, not all this, uh, um, sometimes the gobbledygook that we get with, like, looking into, like, oh, you know, this is that. And, you know, what is this? I mean, they, they do ask the questions of what is, what's considered, a, you know, what, what is life and stuff like that. But they don't go into a big diatribe about it where it's like, oh, you know, it's not like... Um, one of Chris's favorite movies, uh, Professor Bato's, uh, what was that? Uh, second, the second Ghost in the Shell movie. Professor Bato's uh, <laughs> dis- advanced <laughs> dissertation class. Yes, a s- seminar on robotic roboticism. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, the thing that I did Police it, philosophy. It, yeah. <laughs> by, by a by a big by a big big dummy that was you know just uh, cybernized to kill people. Um, <laughs> But, you know, the thing I did find interesting about it is that, okay, you have these androids in there, but not once do they ever really say anything about, like, cyborgs, except for the fact that, isn't it kind of, I think it's towards the end, don't they kind of implement that Nagi has some type of implants on her or something like that? With yeah. her skin? I mean, they showed that thing with her skin, I kind of went, I kind of, kind of re- rewinded it, and I'm like, looks like there's almost something there, because, you know, I guess the way it, the way that they made, the way that I saw the story is they make it try to feel like she's a robot herself, but then you get to reveal that you know she's not. Spoiler alert, everyone. <laughs> oh. Yeah, seeing it, you better you better watch it, but um, before listening to this. But uh, th- am I right on that, Scott? I mean, yeah, especially in the movie, they really tried to imply that she just she definitely had some sort of cybernetic implant, her arm or something. Yeah, um, one of the characters I believe who didn't show up at all in the series but who was in very briefly in the movie was um a character who they more or less implied to be the one who created the androids in the first place and he had a very clearly like robotic arm and his voice was very like modulated i guess to imply that you know he had a lot of work done at some point right okay uh, yeah, but I mean, for for the purposes of people to, um, you know, if they want something a little bit different, it's not too long. Um, you know, it's 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 good story. Uh, you you get to, you know, you get to see some silliness, especially with that fourth episode. Uh, but just the way that these two kids are just, they get kind of wrapped up in this whole world that um, we see this a lot in, in animes and shows and stuff like this, but at least this time, it's not one of these things where they get wrapped up in something that they shouldn't have, but they're not trying to save the world or anything like that. They're just trying to figure out, Oh, what the hell is this place all about? You know? <laughs> so, cause you know, cause when Rikun, when he, when he, um, you know, because he, he's, he's such a weirdo. He's always checking his, uh, you know, his robots load back to see where she's been. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> And then that's what started the whole thing was, you know, or that. And, and then, of course, you get her, uh, his sister that um, just sees it as a tool, which I think most of us would see it as. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's, it, it's, it's uh, you know, I, I think in the which end it's... Which is funny given how, like, lazy and useless she is. Oh, so. oh yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, always, um, it, it always goes into all these previous shows that we've seen where there's robots, especially like robot um, rebellions and stuff like that, it always seems like the, um, the humans, because they have the robots there, they, they're kind of lazy or they just focus on like pleasure. Like, 
you know, the robot went to go pick her up because she got drunk the whole night. Like, she's always lazy because she's always getting wasted every night and partying, yeah. which I guess you would do when you don't really have to worry about certain, to do certain things. I mean, it's the robot will do it for you. So, but, um, yeah, I, I, I think it's something great. I, I think it's definitely, um, um, you know, it's a change of pace. But, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's definitely one of those shows that's entertaining but does kind of make you think because um, you start to wonder what you would do in the same situation. And I, I still think even, even, if, even if you go one way or the other, if we actually had this happen in real life, I don't know if that's the route that we would have picked because it's, it's just one of those things that's just so it, – it, it seems so alien and so far away, but yet as we're seeing in real life, these things are starting to um, – you know, come about. So, you know, we'll, we'll, I guess maybe sooner than later we'll be having to uh, have these thoughts or discussions ourselves. So, but Chris, well, it's definitely uh, I would I would say it's an underrated gem because you know it was never something that's very high profile. And honestly, I'd never even heard of it until Scott told me that he wanted to review it, Ooh. and I only watched it because. I didn't want it, it caught my the the description caught my attention and I didn't want to spoil myself while editing his reviews which you can mm-hmm. find out on mhq.net. <laughs> but uh, I got sucked in and I watched it all in one sitting all six episodes and my impression was that it really felt like a slice of life version of Gits. Yeah. Of Ghost in the Shell minus you know the action minus super cyborgs like kusanagi <laughs> minus you know your your puppet masters and you know your political intrigues and you know your ugly deformed guys and all of that stuff just the <laughs> sort of the day-to-day of that gets universe and and all the introspective gobbledygook you know too it's, it doesn't really have that i mean that's what's cool about ghosts in the shell but you're not going to be getting this in here where, like I said, they're not sitting there doing these, you know, long thoughts and, you know, trying to yeah, figure it's not, out. It's not preachy. And yeah. uh, what's interesting is when you see through their eyes of Riko and Masaki, their shock when they find out that someone is an android. Mm-hmm. And that's perfectly illustrated in the first episode when they meet uh, Akiko, who is this just hyperactive ADD type girl practically bouncing off the walls. And then um, they're shocked when they see her at their school later that she's the android of a student and she's completely blank and emotionless. Man. <laughs> and then further, uh, Rico is shocked when he finds Sammy there and she's so full of life. But then when she's at home with him, also completely blank, emotionless, just like an, just empty eyes. I really like how they show that contrast of how the androids act when, well, rather, the way that they, they act in the way that they're expected to act, mm-hmm. you know? So when she's at home and she's got the halo and, you know, she's doing all the busy work, she acts all flat and emotionless. And then as the time passes and, you know, he starts to loosen up a little bit, you see her do stuff like, you know, uh, have a little, a little personal grin to herself when nobody's looking and just sneaking by his little th- bits of emotion that no one expects, but then when she's there at uh, the cafe, she can be completely human. Yeah. And also what I like is that you have pervading this whole story, this robot ethics committee that basically is trying to force these very conservative views 
about robots on people, and of course, it's headed by Masaki's father, and we find out that whole backstory in the uh, the last episode. And what I think is interesting is the way that uh, this ethics committee is tr- committee is trying to get people to treat the robots as if they were simply machines and nothing more, mm-hmm. which is kind of ridiculous when you have these machines that you know look completely human. Thank you, <laughs> and act completely human and what i was thinking about this whole issue going back to this was you know right now in our society for centuries we have developed deep emotional bonds for pets yeah whether it's dogs or cats or whatever and if you've ever owned a dog or a cat or other kind of pet for a long period of time you know you you develop feelings of love for that animal so if we do that for pets why wouldn't we do that for things that look completely human? Exactly. And what I like is that um, it kind of touches upon this message of um, in the fourth episode and in the sixth especially that, you know, children don't have this discrimination in them until adults teach it to them or rather force it upon them. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that in that fourth episode, the kid that uh, that that nameless old robot was taking care of, you could tell from those little flashbacks that that kid really loved that robot mm-hmm. and that that robot really enjoyed the job that it had with that kid. And it felt so satisfied when it was able to remember the name that that kid gave it before it finally went kaput. Yeah. And then in the sixth episode, the whole backstory of Masaki that he had this uh, android Tex, whose actual name is THX, and then mm-hmm. there's a little, another reference to THX1138 with the the number code thrown in there. But you could see from the flashbacks of him as a child to his anger now as a teenager that Masaki really loved Tex and that Tex loved him, but there was this wall between them because his dad was all offended by the robot giving um you know his basically uh, lending his shoulder to his son and he gave him the command to never speak again. Yeah. So I think that that's the the most interesting part of the series that, you know, you have these robots that you give them artificial intelligence, you make them look human, you know, they're supposed to do all these things, run around, do errands, do everything for you, you know, interact with you, answer your questions, anticipate your needs. You know, why wouldn't you think that they would eventually develop personalities even though they have these uh, personality suppressors or whatever that they're supposed to have? (laughs) You know, I was reminded of uh, that quote from Jurassic Park when Jeff Goldblum says, nature finds a way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but robots aren't nature, though. Yeah. <laughs> like, but- I, I, I see the thing with pets because pets are – pets have – to whatever point they do have a life and, you know, there's debate if they have souls or whatever yeah. it might be. But the thing is with a robot, and I can understand where the whole situation goes in this – a robot in the end, they're not even going to that point if it wasn't for the humans making them that way. Yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, that, that's... But they're, that's, they're, going, they're going beyond I understand. what they're that supposed point. to do. I, I, I understand that. But, it's, thing, it's, mm-hmm. but I, could, I could see why there, there's more of an issue with that because it's without humans making the robots and giving them the abilities to do this, they wouldn't have it. It's not like a pet where, you know, and, uh, and I mean... It it, it, it it is it is one of those things that is something that everyone's going to have to answer, you know, in the next de- in the coming decades. 
Well, look at, if, look at it this way. Uh, if, you, if you take a baby and a robot, what's the difference? You know, they, they are both machines of a different variety. One, oh. you know, technological, yeah. one biological. Babies, the difference is the three laws. Yeah. Well, yes, the three in this, laws. But, in the case of this story, yeah. But, I mean, aside from the three laws, babies are stupid. They don't know anything. They only know <laughs> what we teach them, and then they go out and have their own experiences, and that's what differentiates us from everyone else in the world. So it's basically the same with robots. You know, They have all the information that we as humans put into them, but they all have different experiences because all these robots, all these androids that we see in this show, they're all very different from each other. Yeah, yeah I, I, I think that's I think that's looking at it a little too simply because at least we we have seen just with uh, humans or babies or anything like that. Even, there are always, there's always going to be something that's going to help develop them. With a robot, as what you know Scott's saying with the three laws and all this other stuff, you're still inputting. You're having to manually input. Okay, this is what you do on a daily basis. This is what whatever you know. Yeah. A baby can grow. But you still up. have to teach a baby, you know, to not crap, you know, on the floor. You have to teach a baby how to eat. You have to teach him how to put on his clothes and tie his shoes. You know, we all start off having yeah, to have not, information not always, put into us. Not always, though. I mean, humans have always had the ability to, even if there's nobody there to give them support, to actually adapt and to do things. I think that's that's probably the key thing is uh, humans have the ability to adapt because, you know, whenever we were cavemen, nobody taught us how to do something. It just kind of happened. They, they realized not to. Yeah, just but happen. you don't you don't start out being born, being able to do anything or knowing anything. You have to have people teach that to you. But there's also traits that are inherently passed on to you. I mean, just like you have with like instincts with animals and stuff. Yeah. Animals. My point. My point is that intelligence is intelligence, whether it's artificial or biological. You know, when you have artificial intelligence, you know, these things can eventually become sentient. That's the whole point of the story here, that they become sentient even though we didn't want them to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sound like sound, sound like sound like somebody here is a robot racist. Yeah, so, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm just kidding. I'm just saying yeah. though. The, the, it's clear who's the robophobe in this discussion. Well, well I mean, the the real I think, tragedy y'all. of the uh, of the story, especially at the end, was that mm-hmm. yeah, you know, they showed that all these robots, you know, they're sentient. They have their own wants and desires, but they're shackled by the three laws. Yeah. Because, you know, at the end, the last episode, the whole thing was um, the robot techs really still loved Misaki and everything, but because of the three laws, he couldn't talk to him. Yeah. Because he was ordered to. And even at the end, when the first law overrode the second, and he was able to talk for a little while, the second the danger passed, he was right back to the way he was, which is the inherent inhumanity of their whole situation. Right. I mean, I, I, they they bring up a point um, early on, um, I, which I think is a very good point. Um, when, when the robots started out, they had a hard time just discerning what humans were saying, and p- direction had to be very specific. But in time, the programming evolved so that they can actually, you know, I guess learn fuzzy commands. But how did, but how did it whatnot. evolve, though? Did it evolve through them, or did it evolve through newer newer products coming I'm, I'm out? Or- 
you, you know, upgrades. You're I mean, right. That, you're right to that point. There, there were upgrades and there were newer yeah. models and they were able to receive that too. But I also think, as Chris mentioned, that they also had the ability to learn and they also had to anticipate the owner's needs. So when that happens, you get to, they, they became accustomed to their, to their owners and develop their own personalities. And, um, I guess, uh, when it came down to it, they end up being individuals on their own because they become a culmination of their own life experiences. And, and, and that's what's cool about Time of Eve. When they go there, they can just let that let that completely unload because in society they've got to put on the facade that they're just you know mindless puppets but you know they have a place to unwind and that's when they're that's when they're able to you know to, to shed their uh that at least for a moment there's shackles of, of what society puts upon them but um it, it is neat i mean i i honestly believe that the, these robots have the ability to or these androids have the ability to become uh more than what they're supposed to be and um um, and become sentient eventually, and you see. I guess this this is to me the point in um, in time in this society where that's that's slowly taking place, and it, it's it's a turning point where hopefully mankind will eventually allow them to be more than 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 just servants to them. But well, the question that I think is kind of interesting that is not really explored mm-hmm. uh, in the limited time that we have with this show is that uh, since these robots have come so far with this unintentional evolution. And this secret that they're all hiding from their masters, you have to wonder, could they keep evolving on their own to the point where eventually they could ignore the three laws? Yeah, that's that's the uh, and that and that's that's probably the danger that you're looking at, because that's always been uh, all of these robot stories. Um, It's the robots have always had some type of fail safe laws in them, but they all like Chris said, they develop to a point where they're able to override it. And they're able to justify it in their mind that, oh, this law doesn't make any sense because of, you know, whatever thing that, you know, based on their experience. So it's, um, you know, that that's that that right there is the big question with this. But, yeah, you, you're right. They don't don't even really mention it at this point. They're just more worried about why the hell is everybody, um, you know, so different in this cafe. So. It, it's like what Will Smith said. The goddamn robots, John. Let's. <laughs> Why did you have Let's to mention that, that abomination movie. of a movie? Why? Why? I was just thinking about that. Why? Did, why? Why? Oh man, that's that, that's uh, that's that's me keeping the keeping the bar low. Obviously, <laughs> you know, for me about this story, as much as I loved it, the only thing that was a little bit of a drag was that, as good as the last episode was, you know, it has all of these little like elements that are left unresolved, like the secret investigation by the ethics committee, mm-hmm. this whole little like behind-the-scenes thing going on with the company. And, you know, it would have been nice if they had either, A, more time to uh, explore that, or B, knowing that they didn't have time to explore it, not emphasize it that much and just stick to the main character drama inside the cafe. Yeah, uh, if if anything, it it leaves you wanting more. And although that's a good thing in times, I I, I think... uh, if if a they i if they had uh if they gone back and introduced more of that element throughout the series and not kind of do an information dump towards the end um it'd be a bit more balanced or if like you said they didn't introduce it at all and just kept things you know kept the slice of life drama that it was then you know you we might not end up holding it against the show all that much yeah, unfortunately the movie kind of added in a few more of those elements without actually resolving any of them Oh, well, tell us about the movie, if, 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 if you could, huh. Scott. Um, yeah, the movie is actually, you know, unlike most compilation movies, you know, like the Gundam, you kind of just get, you know, a hugely compressed burst of random events. 
um, the movie for Time of Eve actually works pretty well because, well, you know, you have six, like, 15 to 20-minute episodes. They really don't cut hardly anything out of any of that stuff. Most oh, wow. of Most of the episodes are pretty much there verbatim. Um, actually, I think the total runtime of the movie is a little bit longer than all six episodes put together. Um, nice. So, yeah, it's more or less just all six episodes with just little um, little scenes to bridge between them. And a lot of those little bridges are kind of just little things with Sammy or with uh, the ethics committee. Um, and one of the things they do, which I actually wasn't real fond of, was they try to imply that Sammy is in some way special, like that she was a special project of <laughs> oh, the guy no. who first Uh-oh. developed the robots. But they That's never how it really. Starts. Yeah. <laughs> they never really go into it, though. You don't know why she's special or why there's a little, like, scene of her memories where like the um the mysterious woman in the sixth episode is apparently beating her with a stick for some reason um but they never really get into it or tell you why or what it means which i thought kind of detracted from the whole slice of life um bit like you guys were saying (laughs) Mm -hmm. but overall it's um i mean you could just watch the movie and not have lost anything and doesn't um, the uh, the ending and the uh, the still shots get, delve into some more background about Nagi? Yeah, yeah. The very end, um, over the credits and the scene after the credits, just kind of give you still very vague, but more of a background on Nagi. Apparently, the time of Eve in the city is not the first cafe that she's opened. Oh wow! She had like two or three others. Um, the first one looked like some sort of farm where she was serving more robot-looking robots. <laughs> And apparently they got junked at some point, and they oh. moved on. Yeah. <laughs> well, but, she's she's definitely working for that company, though, right? And either not intentionally, but there, it's, there's it's implied that you know this whole thing is a you know it's it's a ruse set up by this company to see what what they can do with these robots, right? It's like, still left really unclear. The movie kind of implies more that um, she's working for the guy who developed the robots in the first place, and he Mm -hmm. supposedly left that company at a certain point. Um, The woman who shows up in the sixth episode, you know, she's more of the official one part of the company, and she kind of vaguely references him as having left or um, having had his own plans. Um, Does the movie give any more uh, background or explanation about Nagi being the little girl who was injured in that robot incident from, from years before? Yeah, yeah. Some of the scenes over the credits make it pretty explicitly clear that she was, in fact, the girl who was involved in the incident. And that is apparently related to why she seems to have like a cybernetic arm. Oh, wow. Um, But really, I mean, that's as much as it reveals. There's no real details as far as what actually happened. I mean, if anything, I've definitely got to sit down with the movie then. I kind of want to see that. I thought it was just a a few additional moments or, or, or seconds to the to the entire bunch but it it almost seems like it's slightly a different animal <laughs> although it's the same it, it's it's the same but just with the additional things added that i guess add more depth to what we've already seen must be in all those transitional scenes right oh boy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well chris i i i kind of interrupted your review any any last thoughts at all on um on on time of eve or 
It's and, definitely worth checking out. It's available on Crunchyroll, but only if you're a subscriber. Oh. Or you could download the movie on iTunes. I think it's ten bucks. Oh, nice! So I, I wish that there was like an actual home video release here, licensed by somebody, because I'd, I'd love to have it on Blu-ray. Absolutely, it, it yeah, looked gorgeous. So what, what's everyone's ratings outside of Scott, who did it on his own um, on his review? <laughs> and, and I didn't, I didn't well, calculate the the average yet. So <laughs> well, be, before we get into that, I'll, I'll just say my my few points. Um, this is definitely the uh, the cybernetic version of the help. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, what? Um, what, did, just, what did you say? The cybernet uh, version of the it's the cyberpunk version of the help. I'm just kidding. I was just what is the help? Oh well, there you go. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Moving on. Okay. No, it's uh, it, it, it was it was a lot of fun to watch. I I, I um I, I got a kick out of the uh the, the the futuristic setting, but yet the throwback to. To, to, to civil rights in a sense when you when you see that robots are discriminated against um uh, the the all the themes from isaac asimov are definitely in uh this 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 series as uh, scott had mentioned and um it's, it's nice to see a, a kind of different laid-back take on all of that instead of you know like the the, the will smith movie i robot where it was nothing but uh bullshit it's <laughs> not even that's not even isaac asimov so it's oh. not no, no, in name only. <laughs> in name only, barely. Barely, yeah, if anything. So, yeah, definitely don't use that as a reference. Time of Eve is a much better reference to this. And it felt familiar yet different when watching it. Um, all the characters were vibrant. Um, my favorite episode to me is probably the last one. And, and the scene between Tex and uh, his, his young master, uh, uh, Masaki, uh, just uh, the back and forth between them. When uh, Tex reveals the, uh, the 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 sleeper agent that comes walking into the the cafe and he has that moment to actually talk, it's very touching. I, I got a little misty there, as as I guess I'm sure you guys would have expected. But um, uh, overall, I, I think it was very well executed. I I, 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 I dig the series a lot, and um, we'll get into the reviews real quick. Uh, Scott, um, what what is your overall rating for this show? Oh, I think. Um well, very high. It's probably a four point something, I'm sure. But yeah, I mean, every episode was real solid. Um, it's short, sweet, to the point. Um, and yeah, I mean, if you like that, I would say definitely try to check out some of the old Asimov stories because they definitely borrowed heavily <laughs> in a good way. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, Neo. Um, for the sake of the story and everything, I would give it uh, four Admiral uh, Maglite Cylon blows to the head. Um, so, and uh, after watching this, I am now wanting to commission my own book, Battlestar, and I'm not networking any of my systems. So, uh, all right, looking, <laughs> looking backwards, bravely into the future. Yes. Hey, man, genocide. That's all. I, that's all I remember. Nuclear genocide well, is something I, I don't... I, for one, welcome our new robot overlords. So I give it uh, four out of five special coffees. Man, so say we all. <laughs> <laughs> and as for me, I, 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 I definitely give it uh, four, four out of five uh, treks for, for looking for Earth. So... <laughs> But um, excellent series. Uh, check it out if you have time. A time of uh, the time of Eve, and um, also thank you very much for uh, Scott Richardson for, for joining us in this segment. Thank you for um, being a part of this, Scott. No problem. Thank you for having me. No problem. And uh, we'll be back with more Gundam at MAHQ in just a moment. <laughs>
robots are you talking about? The goddamn robots, John! Just how outrageous are the hosts of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast? Bulma, brief, from Dragon Ball Z, is such a uh, tease. Anime. You're gonna go over to Master Roshi's house every day, wearing your little short shorts, your little sexy tops. Addicts. But you're not gonna let him tap that ass, even though he wants to tap it, and he gets nosebleeds all the time. Anonymous. He's 500 years old, the man can't die till he gets laid. Let the man rest in peace. All I gotta say is, Master Roshi's sperm count is over 9,000. Podcast. Don't miss a moment. Tune in at aaapodcast.com and iTunes. Check it out, Gundam Nation. One of our longtime listeners, Eric Keith, has a new project on the horizon that he needs your help on. On the call-in show, I at the end, I plugged a webcomic I'm going to be working on, or I actually am working on now, where I'm the writer, and a gentleman named uh, Michael is going to be the, the artist. Well, in this webcomic, it is going to be based on the Dreamcast Gundam game called 0079 Side Story Rise from the Ashes. If you've never heard of it before, it was a really awesome first-person Gundam simulator where you played a, a member of the MS Team White Dingoes in Australia near where the uh, initial colony that Xeon dropped had landed and where Xeon, of course, have took, taken over. And you lead a small ragtag team of, of MS pilots and you fight against Dom, Zaku's, a goaf shows up and uh, at the end you fight some ridiculously overpowered Xeon tank called the Rhino, which was designed before the thing from Igloo, MS Igloo. The comic's gonna be based on that game, and what I'm gonna be doing is getting a group of people together that are fans of what the comic is about, and stick them in the background, and have them be, you know, not main characters, like, you may not even have a speaking part, but what I wanna do is I wanna take you guys from the Facebook group, and from Mecha Talk, and if you're interested, I'll have my email address uh, down below. Send me a, a headshot of yourself, and when we start working on the comic and releasing it in about a year, and you just might actually see yourself in the background. You heard right. If you'd like to be a character in the background of this new manga project, definitely head on over to youtube.com slash channel 609. That's literally channel S-I-X-O-N-I-N-E and view the entire Rise from the Ashes video where Eric explains the whole concept. If you want to reach him by email, send him a message to erictkeith at gmail.com. And if you'd like to see the artwork of the um, artist involved, Mike Fontecchio, visit his DeviantArt account at mr Hayami H-A-Y-A-M-I, dot deviantart.com. We wish Eric and Mike the best of luck with this project, and we can't wait to see how it turns out. Thank you guys, and I'll talk to you guys later on. Bye. Just gotta keep on trucking, yes sir! I'm gonna go outside and make myself a nice, big, shiny, first place medal, sit in the sun, and have a stupendous friggin' day! Gum damn it! Well, alright, you're messy. Would you make me a medal too?
Welcome back to Gundammit MHQ. As uh, Neo said earlier, it's time for our quarterly mailbag clearing ritual. So we're going to start with the voicemails, which you can leave us by calling 305-792-8324, or if you prefer, 305-SWATFAG. <laughs> Whatever floats your boat. So our first question comes from Mechton GM. Hi, this is uh, Daniel Mason. Uh, a.k.a. Mechton GM on the forum. I got a question for you guys. Uh, most of the robot games and a lot of other games that have mashup scenarios between different mecha series, and sometimes even Gundam series, have uh, what-if scenarios, like what if Shirako got beat up by all the women in Gundam history for being a chauvinist, or uh, what if uh, uh, what if Gar- you know, what if Garma had survived the one-year-old, etc. Um, mine is... My personal favorite is a scenario where uh, you get to play in Dynasty Warriors Gun 3 as Gogo uh, Zavi and beat the crap out of Ben Asher and tell him he has to get stronger if he wants to go out with Manip. My question to the Gundam crew is, what is your favorite what-if scenario thrown out by a video game? Okay, so, uh, bizarre alternate scenarios from games. What do you guys like? Um, what is it? Uh, I, I thought it was always interesting, the... Um in the Gundam vs. Ada Gundam games where you had, like, Armo as, like, a Titan and stuff. That was always a little interesting. Or um, X, X person lived, like Lala lived, or uh, Rio Jose lived, or something like that. So, you know, kind of kind of maybe those resurrections or, um, you know, think, you know, people go in a direction he didn't... They could have gone, but they didn't go. It was always interesting. So. Yeah, that, that's one of my two as well, um, especially in Super Robot Wars where you have... Uh, characters like Roy Folker or Guy Dagoji or Bernie Wiseman actually surviving if you play well enough. So, um, you know, it's just neat to see how they continue on. Um, the other one is uh, another favorite from uh, Super Robot Wars. When um, when certain characters get bright slaps that would never get bright slaps because they don't exist in the same universe normally, like uh, Kira and Shinji, those are standout moments when they get bright slaps. They become men. <laughs> So their fates themselves uh, actually change after that. So props to Bright and those slaps. I think uh, the standout for me, just just for the lulls, mm-hmm. in Gundam vs. Zeta Gundam, the idea that Jared can survive and climb to the top and be leader of the Titans. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's just that's that comedy. One. That's yeah. audacity right there. <laughs> that's just that's comedy, right? That's some good comedy right there. Woo, man. Yeah, I forgot about that one. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, that, that one's pretty lulzy. I, I enjoy that one. <laughs> and next we have a comment from good old The Hod. Yes, this is The Hod calling out to the Gundam podcast. Just wanted to backtrack about a discussion about the 2009 Megacon episode dealing with cliches. One cliche I realized we forgot was Object X getting dropped on the earth in Gundam. You have first the original series that had Operation British with a colony drop. Now, thanks to the Antarctic Treaty, they could not do Operation American, which involved nukes. Then, you also had other shows like Double Zeta redoing the colony drop because it worked in the first show. That was on Dublin. Next, you had Char deciding that colony drops were just so last year. So he decided to drop Axis on her. Didn't work out so well. Uh, even other shows like Seed Destiny had their colony drop of June the 7th. And much like that, the show came crashing down. Anyways, thanks for uh, all the 
good shows, and I apologize for the previous call. I just it dropped. Take care. Oh, yeah, that certainly is a uh, Gundam cliche that has been used many, many times, and I don't doubt will be used many more times in the future of uh, Object X gets thrown at something. <laughs> so for the last of our voicemails, we have a comment from some guy whose name I couldn't hear. So, uh, Hey, this is Psycho Gundam here. Uh, I wanted to ask this question in response to Gundam number 94, uh, the segment about human interaction and tech. I was wondering if a side effect of tech replacing interaction is that actions uh, previously seen as benign uh, being seen as uh, coercive. Like uh, XKCD Comic 642, uh, which was criticized by a number of uh, feminist bloggers as seen as a, an expression of a male privilege. Or even barring that, uh, just asking for directions in the street and being ignored just because people expect to be sold something. All right, and uh, gentlemen? Your responses? <laughs> well, uh, I know with the, uh, I, I, I guess with a lot of those stories, um, chauvinism, you know, plays plays a big part. Where you know, uh, I guess women are uh, in those cases where you have uh, replacements for 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 companionship and and it's, you see sex dolls and whatnot. That uh, it's a big factor. I can see that a lot of a lot of people who feel strongly or have feminist views would would look at that and be offended um but that's the whole point is that uh you know that that these replacements are ideal for guys when they're not real world companions uh for for them instead you know like 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 real women would be so i don't know it's it's i i i don't know how to feel uh i can't completely write that off but uh i i i still think there's value there yeah i I don't know. It's it's it. I, I think we've talked a lot about uh, technology and how it's it's changing people's relationships, um, not just between men and women, but between all people. And I mean, we've we've talked about that a lot, and I guarantee we'll continue to to talk about that as this is becoming more of a uh, pervasive thing within our culture. So, um, you know, as as the terms to culture, <laughs> Dennis, was that? Did you guys? Did you guys hear that? Oh, I didn't. I don't. I didn't hear anything. Oh man! Well, like Dennis' ghost came to visit us for two seconds. No, I, <laughs> you guys heard it, or, or was that just me? I, I thought I. I thought I heard culture in, Col- in my no, mind. No, Dennis. Uh, last I heard, he's uh, he's in Syria covering uh, the civil war there. <laughs> I hope he doesn't catch asthma like that guy from the New York Times did. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. So, but Chris, your thoughts. Well, you know, I think uh, if you go to uh, xkcd.com slash 642, you can read the specific strip that he's talking about. And I don't see what all the hubbub is about, but, you know, I'm not a radical feminist, so I guess I wouldn't. But I think the comic illustrates the point. You have these people that, um, for them, the two of them, normal interaction is not possible now because of technology mm-hmm. putting up more barriers. So I think it speaks to the issue of normal interaction becoming harder now because people are more becoming more socially awkward and more disconnected from people on a personal level, even though they're connected with people on a greater level online. Well, damn. <laughs> but yeah, it is a turn in, um, in, the, in the way society is, is becoming and, and you know, all the signs are there. Well, I just find it funny that the, the definition of friends now takes a completely different uh, – <laughs> 
take than what it did 10 years ago. You know, friends were like people you actually knew. Now it's like, I'm friends with George Lucas or Steven Spielberg or Brad Pitt or whoever. And it's like, uh, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> they don't even know you exist. <laughs> you're, you're, you're linked to their Facebook or blog or whatever whatever they got. It, it's just, yeah, it, it, I, I find that, I think that to me has been the funniest thing that the... Hey, so wait, wait, wait. Let, let, let's, let's do a little, uh, let's do a little uh, huh. hypocrisy check here. Hmm. If you commented on Lord Bay's website and, uh, and he responded to you personally, then how would you feel? Oh, I, I would feel great, but I'm not going to sit there and say that him and me are but there were buds. I mean, I don't know the man. I mean, what if know, he said like, "Hey, man, you're awesome. You should come. Uh, you should come hang out in L.A." Uh, then, then that's that's a, different. That's, that's a simple drive for Neo. Yeah, <laughs> it'd be a very fast drive. Oh man, he's like, "Hey, man, you want to come over and uh, to to the to the compound and, and blow up something?" Oh man, Baylandia. Oh my God. Baylandia. <laughs> But then, but then we would become friends. But well, Neil would bring the blasting caps. Oh my God! <laughs> bring your own TNT. There you go. Oh jeez, <laughs> my dream come true. Yes. Well, that that's different though. That's different. But if I'm just part of his website or I'm a friend of his on Facebook, him and I aren't friends. You know. It, it, I mean, as much as I respect the guy, it doesn't mean that I'm his friend. So never going to Baylandia. Oh man! <laughs> well, I'll tell you this much. Right now, I'm finishing my MBA at Cal State Long Beach, and I found out that their big alumni, Steven Spielberg. At oh, that. hey! So once I graduate, I can give him the secret handshake, and then maybe say, "Hey, I know you're you've done a lot of stuff, but can you uh, can, can you hook me up with Sorbet?" What are you doing? The, the secret handshake because you're both in the skulls. <laughs> Oh, same school. You know how that stuff works, right, man? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, you know how it is. So, interesting question. But. So, I could just walk up to the, to the uh, like, president of Universal Studios because she's an FIU alumni. You could. You give him the secret handshake. Or Paramount, or whatever the hell it is. Whatever, yeah. <laughs> All right, just, I'll keep that in mind. There yeah. you go. That's how it works, man. All right. So. Okay. Real talk. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, <laughs> we're going to switch to... The regular mailbag questions, which you can always submit in the mailbag Dropbox thread on the MechaTalk forums. Our first question comes from Raptor, who says, We have Pedobear North and South, and you've discussed the apocalypse that would come from East and West combining with them. What would happen if their fifth ranger, Pedobear Center, showed up? You mean, you mean Pedobear, Kansas? <laughs> Maybe. Uh, Pedobear Ozarks. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it'd be interesting to see what he was about, man. Pedobear Ozarks would be too busy uh, <laughs> shooting up meth <laughs> and, and, and getting uh, your stereotyping now. Oh man! Getting some Novocaine to soothe his rotted teeth. Oh. <laughs> he makes a badass Kansas City barbecue, though. I'll be down for that. Stereotyping. What I'm all about. <laughs> it's I, all we got. Uh, hey man, don't you know? Because by virtue of being Cuban, uh, I'm an immigrant uh, drug dealer. Exactly. I'm packing Uzis. Man, you freaking and, uh, and I got bitches everywhere. Calm down, okay. Tony Montana. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next, we have Turney Binker who says, "Random question: Out of all of the Gundam designs from 1979 to present, the only one to probably see more redesigns is the classic Gundam, the RX-78-2." Along with Kunio Okawara's classic version, 
1.0 and 2.0 going from their Master Grade titles. You have the refashioned revamps from the version 1.5, which has remained the RX-78 look today, with only little tweakings here and there in appearance, such as the one-year war PS2 game and the real-grade model kit. And mm-hmm. another revamp from Gundam The Origin. Then you have the more radical or complete redesign, such as Hajime Kotoki's version Kotoki, which has remained a fan favorite. Well, depends who you ask. <laughs> to the redesigned scene in Gundam Evolve 15, to which I don't think most people know exists. Oh, they know, and they don't like it. My question yeah. is, which version of the RX-78 design do you prefer? It could be one. You could say you love one but have a soft spot for another, or you could rank them from most favorite or least favorite. A lot for a random question, I know. Yeah, it <laughs> sure is, but whatever. <laughs> I would say my favorite is probably the origin version. Thank you. I I, I definitely second that. I think it's it, it's it's the the most clever design since uh, the original. <laughs> Especially because, and I'm sure Silver will back me up on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, that very iconic color illustration of it standing up for the Shooting first up. time. Yes, uh, flames all around it, which was reused on the uh, Anime Legends first mm-hmm. box set. Hell yes. That's just such a great image, and it just shows you that suit in such glorious detail and color that that, that image alone is what makes it uh, the origin version for me. So, And, and the customability of it as well. You can put a, a, a cannon on the shoulder. or you know, It's just it's, it's, it's practical, and um, I, I, I love that redesign. I, I think it's great. Well, I like, I like the version from uh, the Lost episode, you know. <laughs> That's, oh, you that's, mean the Kudakus uh, version? The button. Yeah. <laughs> the, so. Get on your knees, boy. The, uh, yeah. <laughs> this, this, is no, this is no Zaku boy. <laughs> RX-78-2 Gundam Deliverance version. Oh. <laughs> Play Deliver- with me, boy. Deliverance custom. <laughs> Play with me, boy. <laughs> the Ned Beatty edition. You look sot, man, boy. <laughs> Yeah. We're like pig. <laughs> Watch out, Otis. <laughs> All right, so yes, that's that's because that that the animation in the episode rivals the uh, Matt Cross knife fight. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, man! Freaking the the top examples of animation. <laughs> are, aren't those the things that the uh, the animation students study in college? The <laughs> Chuck Jones saw that man, and he applauded. <laughs> the future is now, oh, man. <laughs> Good stuff. So, all right. Uh, moving on, we have a question from the Ava supremacist Tiprog Noob. He <laughs> says, he "Keeps it simple. Your favorite Gundam OSTs?" Oh man, well, I'm gonna jump in here. Uh, definitely the Zeta Gundam. Uh, Mobile Suit Gundam has a special place in my heart so too. That iconic Age soundtrack. I, Age soundtrack's good. I haven't heard it all yet, so I, I, the, the jury's still out. But um, I also, <laughs> I also, I also love Turn A Gundams and uh, G Gundam. And I guess for the last one, I'm quite. I, I have an affinity for, uh, it, despite the fact that these uh, these shows are my favorite shows. Uh, the Seed series, I think, are, are really good. So it's just talking about a soundtrack. That doesn't mean you don't have to equate it to the show. Oh, I know, I know, I know. Let, let alone the show that shall not be mentioned. Yeah, yeah. Seed, Seed is great. It's it's follow up. Not so much, but the score for both is, is, Again, is outstanding. You, why, why did they go in that direction? We're just talking about the music. So. Hey, I'm, I'm just okay. saying. <laughs> why, why are you sidetracking us in hey, the forbidden territories? I'm just, I'm just working. It, I'm, just, I'm just showing the comparison <laughs> of the quality no, of soundtrack no, to... No, just, answer answer no. the question. Answer okay. the question. All right. Turn his mic off. There you go. <laughs> Already did. Those are mine. Um, who's next? 
Um, yeah, I mean, I think most of the what um, Solbro said, I, I, I could get into. You know, I, I'm, I'm into those. Um, you know, I, I think X had a really good soundtrack too. I don't. I, did you mention X? I didn't mention X. No. Okay, I think X had a really, really kind of different one. Mm-hmm. Um, especially with some of the battle music. Um, and, um, you know, I, I also do like the original kind of disco-themed uh, MSG stuff. Hell yes. Especially the, the, uh, uh, Scooby, remix. the Scooby The Scooby song? Yeah. <laughs> hey, what, uh, what, nothing's better than Toby Bay Gunna, man. Mm-hmm. Especially <laughs> watching a, a pirouetting uh, Bright Noah. You oh, got- no, man. It's all- <laughs> <laughs> it's the, the the char song is the best one. Oh, by yeah. far, by yeah, far. Char get disco remix. Oh, that one. Oh, yeah, yeah. And don't and don't forget about the jazz hands in the opening. <laughs> That's the best. <laughs> oh boy. For me, the ones that I listen to a lot, which I guess are indicative of my favorites, are Zeta, mm-hmm. uh, Wing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Wings. Another great one. X, Turn A. Seed and the other one, and Double O. There you go. Well, I mean, generally speaking, aside from say Double O eighty and F ninety one, Gundam has always excelled with its soundtracks. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was and and possibly Igloo Nazi Gundam. I don't, but I don't know if they did soundtracks for those. They did. Yeah, uh, they're, they're all right. It's just you know a lot of patriotic space Nazi music. So, Mein Kaiser. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. <laughs> all right, moving on. Nasty Nate says, what do y'all, and he did say y'all, Sweet. think about Gundam Age's music? Very appropriate. So, Solbro, why don't you tell us what you think about Gundam Age's music? I think the, Gund- I think the score of this Gundam Age is, is, is very fitting for the show. I, I, I think they use the music uh, in the show to, to great effect. Um, I like the score so far. Um, from what I've heard, uh, I, 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 think, I think they're doing a great job with it. I can't really... I, I really can't wait to hear the entire score, and, and, and hopefully I find it to be in my top five um, towards the end. I, I know you guys think it's passable, but, um, but, but are not crazy about it yet. But uh, what are you guys' thoughts? Just for well, everybody thanks, else to be Thanks for there. telling us what we think. Hey, man, you're welcome. Yeah. Well, why, why even bother, why even bother <laughs> yeah, why, answering? Why should we bother answering the question if you already know what our answers are going to be? I, well, there's your answer. <laughs> no, always always said when... Take it. Yeah, all we said when 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 we were doing the uh, the the final reviews of Age of Generation One was when you said mm-hmm. it was like an amazing soundtrack. It was like I didn't get that. I think it's good, mm-hmm. but it's not one of those ones that just kind of jumps out at me like the you know like the uh, the previous questions. Some of the soundtracks there. I mean, I think it's it's not awful. It's not double O eighty range, but it's just. It's just there. I, I, I could approve with the generations. I don't know, but from what I've heard so far, nothing, nothing big, de- nothing too big for me. I, I know why I like a soundtrack is when I start to hum it when I hear familiar themes. So uh, I, I tend to do that when I'm watching <laughs> Gundam Age. So I already, already know I've taken a shine to it. I think it's it's a pretty good soundtrack, but you know, admittedly, uh, not as good as Double O's. But Kenji Kawai is a hard act to follow. Absolutely. So you know, I give Age a bit of slack. In regards to that. So next we have a question from the Foul Sorceress who says, Hey, Soul Bro, Uh-oh. I know you're a fan of Hulu and Keith or Sutherland. Absolutely. Have you seen The Confession, a web series in which Keith, no, The Keith, 
plays a hitman confessing to all his sins, flashing back to badassness and meditating on the nature of evil. Why, yes, I have. I watched that well as it was uh, every episode was being released because I just got Hulu Plus and they were advertising it on there. So I, I took an interest. Each episode is really short. I'd say they range from five to ten minutes and it's only about I forget how many episodes it is, but it's less than ten. And um, it's really good. John Hurt is also in it, um, and I, I I love it anytime he shows up in something. Even even that shitty fourth uh, Indiana Jones movie, he was in there, and he was he was pretty good in that. But uh, yeah, John Hurt plays a priest that he confesses to, and as each episode goes along, more and more of the mystery behind Kiefer Sutherland's origins come up, as well as you know all the violent uh, hits that he is uh, uh he's gone on get flashback too. And then you, there's a big reveal, and then you know it's dealt with, and it, it's really compelling. Uh, and uh, and a side note, Kiefer Sutherland's got a new show coming out on Fox called Touch, and the first episode's on Hulu as well. It's already out. It, it, it just started. It's on Hulu, right? No, it's already airing. Been oh shoot, I didn't know that. I I watched started, it on Hulu. Uh, as a uh, mid-season replacement already. Awesome. Thank I guess you. since you live in your little world of Hulu. Yeah. But you know where else uh, the confession is on Sobro? Where? Netflix. Oh, it's on! Oh, I didn't know it was on Netflix. Wow! Don't don't even need Hulu. It's hey, on well, dag on. So for those who haven't seen it, it's a real quick watch, uh, much like uh, time time of uh, Eve. So you can blow through it in no time. All right. So next we have a question from Mr. Bushido. It says, "All right. So this question regards to Transformers Heart and Soul G1. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out where G1 originated from because the Headmaster season, not the three episode one, which aired in Japan only." Mm-hmm. before had what looks like the exact same animation like other anime who came from japan first into america later is this the opposite case for transformers g1 and why wasn't headmasters aired in america way back then and only recently gets released on dvd now all right i'm going to tackle this one because it's it's a little tricky yeah so transformers the toys for transformers already existed in japan absolutely prior to um being made into a tv show if you go back to the episode where we had Hiroko from Japanator on as a guest, uh, she talked about playing with uh, those old Japanese toys. Mm-hmm. So basically, they wrote a show around these toys. And the show was written by American writers, but animated in Japan. It also aired in Japan uh, with the ridiculously long title, I think something like Super Robot Lifeform Transformers or some <laughs> crap like that. <laughs> So we have, um, you know, our first three seasons and the movie. They mm-hmm. have the same stuff. However, they have a bunch of extra junk, like a OVA that ties in with the movie. But to the point of your question, uh, what happened was after the third season, the popularity of Transformers took a very sharp fall in America. America. Mm-hmm. So they did the three-episode finale with uh, with the American headmasters to wrap up the show, which is a very quick wrap up if you watch it. It's not it's not that great. Mm-hmm. But you know, this being the mid eighties in Japan, robots were all the craze there, so they kept on going, which is why they continue straight into headmasters. Yes. Now the difference. Now they do have the same animation, and it is the same characters, even it's- though of course. In Japan, they're referred to by their Japanese names like Convoy and all that crap. Oh, it's Toei Animation doing all the work, so yeah. Yeah, and it's still the same people doing the work. However, it's written by Japanese writers. Yep. And if you watch Headmasters, which I've watched some of, the difference is instantly obvious. Oh, just because 
Mm-hmm. It's going way more into the Japanese direction, mm-hmm. especially notable, noticeable when you get to the next show, which I've seen a bit of um, Master Force. It feels sort of like a proto-Brave show, which is not surprising given that a lot of Transformers designs ended up being recycled in their early Brave shows. Then by the time you get to Victory, it's like so Japanese style that it has very little resemblance to the American Transformers. So the only reason that it's being released here now is because of, you know, nostalgia for all that stuff because we never got it. It's, this is, you know, 90 some, almost 90-something episodes maybe of Transformers stuff that was never released here until now. Well, what the Brave series and Transformers have in common is that the manufacturer for both those toys is Takara. Yeah, so, um, that, which that, is why that, they did the recycling. Exactly. And um, uh, you, uh, one of the biggest things that put me off on, on Headmasters is the depiction of Daniel. <laughs> it, was, it was like night and day. Daniel, Daniel was just a <coughs> different character entirely to me. And um, I watched probably about 10 episodes of Headmasters, and I just couldn't do it anymore. You know what uh, put me off on Headmasters? What's that? That they instantly had uh, Optimus uh, sacrifice himself. Yeah, yeah, that's another thing. It's like, man, I, I was I was wait, hoping to watch another show with Optimus being uh, the leader again, and they just they kill that fool off again. It's like, it's like they, he came back to life for real just at uh-huh. the end of the third season, and within three episodes of Headmasters, he's dead. Yeah, it's it's the dumbest thing ever. It's like, <laughs> you know, it really does play to Megatron's comment in Beast Wars that that these these primes have a thing for sacrificing themselves. Yeah, pretty much, um, you know, and it's what's made even more ridiculous by it mm-hmm. is that in the next episode after that, um, Blaster and Soundwave kill each other in a duel to the death. Yeah, and they both get <laughs> rebuilt and resurrected. What the hell? <laughs> now, mind you, Soundwave actually exploded. He literally exploded into like a zillion little pieces, and you have this little sad image of Laserbeak flying away with his head. Yeah, and, and that's a that's a throwback to uh, even to uh, original uh, G one for Transformers, where Prime got dismantled, and they had to. Uh, and you figure that would kill an Autobot, but they had to go and find all his parts and put them back together. So it's like if an Autobot can be dismantled, can they be repaired even after death? Yeah, especially <laughs> if you know like. Well, I don't remember if in Headmasters they had the concept of the spark yet yeah. quite figured out. Right. But if you could resurrect, okay, Blaster went gray dead, <laughs> but he was he was rebuilt and brought back oh, man. as Twin Cast since his Japanese name is Broadcast. Mm-hmm. Optimus also went gray dead because he stupidly sacrificed his life force for whatever reason. Oh boy! So. I've never understood why you're going to rebuild the cassette guy. And not Optimus. <laughs> but not the most powerful and best leader that you ever had in your history. And who who does the mantle fall upon again? Rodimus. Oh, the, my the God. The wussiest wuss of all. And that's why if you ever become confused that these shows are not toy commercials, um, that that's, that's pretty much the shining example. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. <clears throat> It, it hurt my head just to hear that. That's why, that's why I, I, I <laughs> that never happened, and I just stick to the rude awakening of Optimus Prime. For yeah. those for those who don't know, um, the, I I I don't I forget the name of the group. But I guess it's so, uh, a, a company owned by Sony. They're slowly uh, re-releasing the uh, original G1 series in Japanese here in America. So uh, I think season one's already out, and I, I'm not sure about the rest, but I, I know they are releasing them out here. 
Well, they've already released a box set of all three, and there's all a three. there's a box set for Headmasters that came out, mm-hmm. and there's an individual box set coming out for Master Force. Right but, on. I will, but I will warn you, people, if you have the nostalgia glasses and you haven't seen this crap since you were young, you you might want to think twice before you do it. Yeah, the the animation is uh, also not that great. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Headmasters, it takes quite a dive. It's, uh, I'll, I'll tell you from experience. Sometimes some of the things we watched when we were kids. Hey, you watch it this time. It's like you might yeah. be better off living just, and not seeing the episode where yeah. Galvatron's master plan to uh, take over Cybertron or Sabertron, whatever you prefer, mm-hmm. is to send like uh, like a robot cockroach thing to attack it. Nice, yeah. nice, and that, that 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 there you go, shining example. But um, yeah, even me who has the uh, nostalgia glasses uh, sewed on. <laughs> I, I could see that for what it is, and um, although they're still fun to watch, it's just it's not it's not stellar television by any any any, any example. All right, next we have a couple of questions from Yokozuna Bulldozer. Oh, this first one sounds like a right up Sobro's alley. Oh, if there was a Super Robot Wars fighting game, how would you guys envision the game? I.e., the game is played much like Street Fighter or Virtual On. Sobro. I already know you're going to say Street Fighter because that's what you like. So there you go. <laughs> Why well, ask the question? <laughs> no, 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 not not necessarily. There was a a, a mecha fighting game. Actually, um, there were two mecha fighting games that I Ooh, think tech romancer. That's what you're going to say, aren't you? <laughs> uh, no, I, I well, that's one of them. But uh, Cyberbots is the uh, predecessor to that, and I thought that was a really simple yet um, really great fighting game. I, I love the concept of uh, picking a character and then picking. Um, whatever suit you wanted them to pilot and uh you can it's it's just a a fun experience playing that game and uh, i think that's a a really good example of a mecha fighting game virtual on is another one too but i would like it to be more like uh either tech romancer or cyberbots just to be different i'm gonna say blaze blue there you go but blaze blue is cool (laughs) the thing about blaze blue is blue and if they did it like that is that blaze blue incorporates a lot of fighting systems from different fighting games in each one of their characters so if that was done with an approach to making a mecha fighting game i thought i think that would be very interesting neil uh just next question mortal Mortal (laughs) kombat (laughs) you know you know his answer is mortal kombat uh, these last last two questions are just like uh, okay (laughs) All right, he there says, you go. This, this is an oldie. Where, where's Mula Flogger to have a 15-question thread? Oh, he's coming. <laughs> says, also, which side stories from Gundam do you think would have made a good TV animation show, i.e. Gundam Sentinel, Crossbone Gundam, oh. Astray, oh. Damn. G-Gundam <laughs> prequel where Master Asia was piloting the Yamato Gundam, etc. He's referring to G-Gundam 7th fight. So, mm-hmm. uh, Neo... Why don't you tell us first, what do you think would be a good uh, Gundam side story to adapt? It would have to be the iconic Crossbone Gundam. It's a genius series. It's a piece of literature. I read it and I was like, oh my god, forget uh, Shakespeare and and you know Jack Kerouac and uh, you know all these you know Charles Dickens and all these people. I'm like, God, this is just amazing because it, it it's just the most amazing story. Yes. <laughs> Just, it's just amazing. <laughs> you know, I, I read Crossbone, and I, as soon as I finished, I said to myself, what the hell did I just read? Damn. <laughs> I, I actually, to be honest with you, Chris, when I was done, I was like, I, there, nothing that I read from this point on will ever reach the pinnacle that I have just 
uh, I, I've just approached with the uh, crossbone Gundam. Uh, oh boy! I, I say that in jest. No. Yeah, let's make it clear. We're not hating on crossbone. We're just trying to make the point that it's vastly overrated by fans, most yeah. of whom have probably never even read it, and think that um, because it's pirate Gundams, that it must mean it's uh, space pirate Harlock Gundam, which is yeah. not yeah. at all what it is. Far from far from the truth, and that dumbass. If, o- if only, if only. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just because those model kits look awesome, that be that that story. Does was it awesome. doesn't mean that Harlock is in there in, in, inside piloting that Gundam? Sadly. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, I always I, I would always like to see the uh, the um, uh, Gundam Seventh Fight one because I always thought that was very interesting. I, Master Asia was always a very interesting character to me, and it would it would be cool to see him when he was at his uh, peak there, uh, winning the titles. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that I, I think that would be uh, pretty cool. Um, you know, the Astrays, uh, they they would be good. Um, Maybe you know, the early ones, because the later ones got uh, kind of crappy and convoluted. Yeah, the, the, the really early ones um, were pretty good. But um, other than that, I, I think... I think now that we're, you know, they're we're still waiting on Gundam the Origin, so we'll, and you know the fact that they've done Unicorn, which why did you say Central? It's a masterpiece. <laughs> so that's another one. I'm not even getting into that, but I mean, um, you know, I I think I, I just think if we're gonna do this, let's just not do it for the sake of doing it, because now you know with Unicorn and now with the announcement of of Gundam the Origin. I hope they just don't go the route where oh everything that was written we got to put into um, into animation. So I, I still think that sometimes a p- specific story works well in animation. Sometimes they work well as just being a manga or a novel. So there you go. Well, well, Soul bro. Um, I agree that I know you're going to say for the barrel because that's that's what you like, right? I, I, I did like For the Barrel. It was going to be my honorable mention. I, I read the first uh, chapter way back in the day in um, New Type USA, and I wanted to read more of it. Um, I, I, don't know if it I don't know if it was confirmed it was a prequel to, uh, to UC Gundam, but um, I, it would That's be some bizarre alternate telling. Alternate, alternate telling. It was real cool, though. I, 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 I dug what I read. And, um, I, you, know I what read I, you know what I dig from For the Barrel? What's that? Sailor. Say, there you go. <laughs> if you know what I'm talking about, Google... For the barrel, Salem Mass, you'll see what I mean. Oh, snap. All right, I'll, I'll take up that challenge. <laughs> oh, but, you'll uh, see. You'll oh, see. Oh, snap. All right. Well, uh, it, uh, other than that, uh, I, my, my top three are definitely early astray with uh, Low Gear, easily. Um, the, his earlier exploits, a whole lot of fun, and I would love to see a series of that. Um, Cold Duciel, I would love to see that um, as well, um, especially if the designs were by uh, Mickey Moto. God, yes. <laughs> Animated in an OVA uh, version or, or even a TV show. Really cool. Uh, that would be really, really cool to see. And uh, most importantly, Char's Deleted Affair. We got to get that. <laughs> I would love to see that animated into a series, and that would be a great send-off for Char's character in general um, if they did that too. But those are my picks. Well, uh, Solbro stealing some of mine because I, I would also say Ecole uh, CL That's what's or up. Char's Deleted Affair. I'll also throw in... Um, F90 and Silhouette Formula 91, they're, they're pretty good side stories. Yeah, they are pretty good. I forgot about those. And uh, as I said before, if we have to have another one-year war OVA, which we always do, uh, I would like to see the full story of Blue Destiny get done. Mm. Especially yeah, since Blue Destiny is kind of 
been hanging around more recently. You know, it had some model kits a few years ago. Now it's showing up in the uh, the versus games. Yeah. Um, what about what are you guys' thoughts on 0081? Uh, the 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 one the story for the one game that uh, came. Yeah, out. that actually that 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 game had a good story. That might yeah. be neat because uh, we've never really seen between the end of uh, the original series and um, 0083 like that period there of the post-war cleanup. You know, mm-hmm. chasing down the Xeon remnants and all that fun stuff, and it's got some really nice mobile suit designs. So yeah, Double Eighty One would make a pretty good candidate as well, even though it would be yet another like. Here's some Xeon remnants who just don't have a freaking clue, <laughs> but keep feeling the need uh, to fight on. And, and, keep, and keeping the uh, faith. We'll, we'll fight them in all the places that we normally see them in the desert, in the, oh, yeah. know, in Southeast yeah. Asia, <laughs> deep in Although, the jungle. If if you know the thing about that game is it had two campaigns. It had a Federation campaign and a Xeon campaign. So the Xeon campaign, what was kind of neat about it is if they showed this when you you play this dude eric blank who's part of the invincible knights yeah no, not so invincible mm-hmm. uh because you know you're in a bad position as these zeon remnants because it's now a year after the end of the war you have crap to start with you're using a zaku one mm-hmm. you basically ha- and you have to fight off all of these uh, gms and crap you have to work your way up to stealing a gm and using that for a while and then eventually you steal back the Efreet knocked and use that as your suit. Oh, wow. For the rest of the game. So that's kind of neat if they showed something like that, like the whole logistics of it, of, you know, because we've had these seemingly endless parades of Xeon oh. remnants and Neo Xeons, but they always just have more suits coming out of nowhere. I would love to see, like, a real rough and tumble thing of some Xeon remnants fighting who have these issues of we got crappy mobile suits, we don't have any spare parts, we don't have any support teams, we don't have, you know, anything. No operating bases so, that are secure. All so of let that me, stuff. So let me guess. You want something that wasn't like Episode 4 of Unicorn. Yes. Where, uh, where 15-year-old mobile suits were still as good and in great condition and <laughs> no problems. And, they had no problems with the uh, the bubble suits that are two generations ahead of them now. Still, still as mechanically sound as they ever were. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I would like to see some actual, like, real guerrilla warfare yeah. on, on the Xeon side. Yeah, instead of this. That'd make for a neat story. This dumbass stuff that we get sometimes. And, we, mean, and, we, and maybe we get those gritty old men that all, all these fans want to see, man. Yes, In charge the, of pilots. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, because people really, what they really want is to see, like, Marcus Phoenix... Yes, yes exactly. Oh yeah. yeah you want- <laughs> and a GM covered by like twenty layers of dirt and mud. Gears yeah, of Gundam. Yeah, you want Yeah, you want Delta. You want those guys there. Yeah. yeah, there you go. <laughs> Especially Coltrane. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Go. Moving on. We have a question from Keo Shinsama, oh, oh. listener, who says, Hey Chris, Sobro and Neo. First time writing in a question for this finest of podcasts, but I figure I just needed the right topic. Nice. This isn't mecha-related, but more to do with games. I was wondering what your guys' opinions were of the Famitsu magazine after just having read that Famitsu gave Final Fantasy XIII to a perfect score. Mm-hmm. It seems to me that Famitsu is consistently very generous when it comes to long-standing Japanese franchises like the Final Fantasy one, and also very friendly, perhaps a little too much, towards Square Enix-published games in general, such that it feels like they gloss over all of their flaws in order to give them perfect scores. Mm-hmm. This presents something of a problem to me since I'm looking for the real scoop 
on Final Fantasy XIII 2 before considering buying it, something that used to be a given with the FF franchise for me. After feeling kind of burnt by what I felt was a distinct lack of deep and involving gameplay in Final Fantasy XIII. Personally, I consistently feel that Famitsu is no longer the best source in Japan for getting an honest and critical take on Final Fantasy or any really big franchise, which I'm currently struggling to stay interested in. Damn. So, bro. Yeah, um, it, it's, it's, been, it's been widely talked about in, in, in um, circles outside of Japan that Famitsu seems to favor um, uh, primarily, uh, uh, I wouldn't say primarily, but um, in, in, a, in a whole lot of ways, Square uh, titles and other, other titles that are from Japan. Um, they, to give Final Fantasy XIII a perfect score after what I've heard from uh, other reviews uh, about 13, that game. 13-2. 13-2. 13-2. To give it that, 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 that grade of a score... And it's being the same old thing. And to not give Mass Effect a higher score than what you did give it, any of the Mass Effect games, boggles my mind. <laughs> it boggles my mind. I can't believe that. Yeah, Famitsu's been off kilter. But then again, they're guys who live, they're, they're Japanese uh, gamers that, that, that live in Japan, and that's where their tastes lie. When you take the same game and you have people outside of Japan review it, they're going to see it from a different angle, and they're, they're used to how... Uh, how games are today, you know. Final Fantasy is still a mainstay from 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 years years past, and um, I'm not saying it's uh it's 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 warranted for them to give it such a high score. It just it just goes to show how much they're looking for the same thing in every game, and they're not looking for innovation anymore. So, um, for me too, I, I just don't look at them as a as a as a a source of uh, a source to base my own opinion off of when it comes to 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 what games to check out and whatnot anymore. I personally just don't trust game magazines because yeah. uh, it seems more and more, at least in America, mm-hmm. that uh, game magazines have been more willing to whore themselves out. Game Informer. To, exactly. <laughs> game, perfect example. Perfect example. Game Informer is a video game magazine owned by GameStop. Yes. That is a huge editorial conflict of interest. No doubt. You think? Yeah. Or Best Buy's video game magazine, whatever the hell that's called. <laughs> you know, another huge comic of interest because you are owned by companies whose business it is to promote and sell games. Mm-hmm. Game Informer uh, has frequently had a problem where they give glowing previews to games that turn out to be utter crap. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean one of the things and you got to glowing look- scores to stuff. That do not deserve those scores, <laughs> and and one of the things you got to look at not only with the magazines or the or the websites is the the um, the perfect example is if you look at all of the all of the games that get the great scores and then see all the banner ads or the regular ads in the magazine they're always for those games so of course you're never going to sit there and bite the the you know the hand that feeds you because. Okay, this game is crap, but yet Square Enix is coming in here with, um, you know, they're doing a $2 million spread in our magazine. Uh, well, that's released to stuff like yeah. uh, with GameSpot, uh, the infamous Gertzman Gate, yeah. where yes. Jeff Gertzman gave a six to the original, um, the hell's this stupid, as Pedro's called it, a shitty game with criminals. Oh, <laughs> was it Saints uh, Row or something? No, not Saints Row. Uh, the the game with the two like criminal guys. Oh, uh, Kane and Lynch. Oh, Kane and Lynch. Kane yeah, Lynch. yeah, yeah. He gave it. He gave it a six out of ten. And Square Enix blew a fuse because you know they had put this big ad buy in with uh, with GameSpot, and then he got fired. Yeah. Right. You know, and that's you can have. I'm not saying that you can 
take advertising and not be critical because you can. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, our friends over at Destructoid, there have been quite a few occasions where they've run advertisements for a game, then given said game a bad score because they mm-hmm. felt that it was bad and had the advertising pulled. Oh, yeah. Which uh, is lost revenue, of course. Here's another example. Um, although you guys don't watch the show or care for it much, but um, X-Play, I re- uh, fondly recall, they did a whole 30-minute episode dedicated to the Force Unleashed only to give it one of the, the review of, of one of the worst games of the year uh, later on. So, you know, there's, you know they, they had one episode that was an advertisement for the game, and then, you know, when they finally reviewed the game, you know, they were honest and, and gave their opinions on how bad the game was. <laughs> so, you know, it, 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 it does happen. <laughs> well, it's not that I don't care for exploits, and I don't care for the network it's on. Yeah, true, true. Because I used to watch it when it was called Extended Play on oh, an yeah. actual good network called Tech TV. <laughs> so there. All the memories. <laughs> so the whole thing on Famitsu, it's constantly accused of, you know, being bought off because they give they do give a lot of high scores to a lot of high profile games. Mm-hmm. So as is the case with any magazine or website, you just gotta read a bit and get a feel for, you know, are they really being honest? You know, are they falling for the hype and giving high scores to games that don't deserve it, like say IGN? Ooh. <laughs> you know, are they being brutally honest about it? You know, are they being fair? And you can you can you can compare that like the kind of stuff that you read about the games compared to say your own personal experience, also factoring how high profile the title is. You know, you can see if there's some site or magazine that consistently gives like nines and tens to all of the AAA titles, then their editorial is probably not very honest. Mm-hmm. And you know, maybe they're taking this it's a calculation of we better keep giving good scores to you know not bite the hand that feeds us with ad money and invites to preview events and review copies and all that crap. So it's a difficult thing to navigate because this is one of my things that there's so much dishonesty in in the world of um, video game news because you see all this stuff like Gertzman Gate and all these other similar scandals and you really see that game companies feel that all of these websites and magazines are sort of extensions of their PR department mm-hmm. rather than actual um, news outlets. And of course, it doesn't help that I don't want to get into all journalism versus blogger here, but Uh-oh. there's a lot of people writing for video game websites that um, have you know this fascination for video games, which is fine. But they have this fascination that blinds them to the things that are right in front of them, like companies doing sneaky things, mm-hmm. which leads them to say, be apologists for companies or they have this goal of getting into the game industry mm-hmm. which a lot of people have done oh yeah so maybe they in advance don't want to bite the hand that may be feeding them even more directly oh yeah so it's a very treacherous path to navigate is is my point here and i think people need to realize too the the game industry isn't all about the fans like they make it out to be um, no, they're all about money and and they're one of the most highly subsidized by the government industries in the U.S. And, and also you, very secretive, too. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, it, 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 I, I, know it's, I know it's so uh, cool to crap on a lot of corporations that get, you know, subsidies and stuff. And, and rightfully so for some of the industries. It's understandable. But your precious video game industry, and you can look this up. Uh, they fall under the, they fall under the, um, the uh, I think they fall under the guise of arts. And there's a lot of art subsidies that are given by the U.S. government and other go- and other governments, uh, especially like Canada and stuff. Yeah. And uh, so there's not a lot of you know a lot of your tax money 
is actually going into these video game companies. So and just look at Texas. Uh, there's a ton of video game uh, developers there, and they get uh, special subsidies um, not o- not only from the government, but from uh, from the the local government in in Texas, especially right. Austin. Oh my God! And more directly, a few years back, uh, when Ubisoft made America's Army. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So, so uh, you know, I I know that it was uh, I know it was the uh, I, I, it's been very interesting to see the evolution of the game industry as being one of the people that was kind of there when it was still in its kind of, its infancy, and as it's kind of grown and and you know how accepted and everything it is now, and the fact that people think it's like this um, you know this kind of counterculture thing. These guys are not counterculture. They are brutally honest businessmen that are only out for one thing: bucks. And they and they are and they are using their bucks to make more bucks. So. That's that's my take on them, and that's the and and Chris is right. You got to be careful, and and this comes with anything when it comes to anything that's written. Uh, if it's video games, news, whatever it is, always look at a variety of sites. <laughs> you know, just don't go to Fumitsu. If if you have a question about uh, thirteen two, mm-hmm. well, go to Fumitsu. Go there. Hey, here's an idea. Check maybe some of the uh, uh, readers' comments. You and know. on the flip side of that, don't also rely on Metacritic either. Um, yeah, screw yeah, Metacritic. Yeah, don't it's... go read reviews. Read them. That's the biggest thing. And then, um, if you think after reading three or four reviews that the games worth checking out, then do so. And at the end, formulate your own opinion. Or, or, or um, like I, like I said though, one of the biggest things that I've seen that's helped me in a lot of decisions is looking at things with reader comments or you know th- comments on Amazon or stuff like that, where you're seeing people being brutally. You know, it's, well, it's, Amazon, it's, that's, that can be a, a two-way sword because a lot of people will do like Amazon bomb. Like yeah, if something pisses them off, they'll go in mass droves with negative comments. What I, I would say is since it's so easy these days, especially with major titles, try the demo. That too. I mean, the demo is not always indicative of something, but it'll give you a good idea. And Very obviously, uh, 13.2 did have a demo that came out, so yeah. see for yourself. There you go. Uh, that's 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 word. And he go. says, uh, "P.S. Tell Subro that I agree. Fighting games own, and that Chris and Neo don't know what they're missing. <laughs> I totally understand why they rip on him anyway, and it'll always be a hilarious." Wait, to wait, me wait, s- wait a second, though. Oh, okay. Wait, let me let me finish. Okay. <laughs> hilarious to me the same way Sobro laughing in the background after a good joke always is. There you you go. guys are all great. Keep up the work on my favorite podcast and keep on keeping those trolls and stubborn malcontents of the internet honest. Well, as honest as they can be. Kyle Shane, you're a class act. Now, I like fighting games. I just like <laughs> messing with Sobro because of his, his Capcom obsession. No, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. We don't talk about it, but I do enjoy fighting games from other companies like Arc System Works. Really? Because it, it, sure, it sure don't sound like it sometimes. Well, y'all mother... Y'all... <laughs> Dude, do you listen y'all, to yourself? Hey, hey, Sobro, listen to yourself? Um, mm-hmm. hey, how many times in, uh, say, like the last six months have you at all mentioned to either of us say Soul Calibur 5. So I didn't buy that, but I do own King of Fighters 13 and Blaze Blue. And um I, I, like I well, said, that's not the question. Yeah. Soul Calibur 5 was a, a big fighting game release. Yeah. I do not recall any time in the last 6 months that you said, "Oh man, Soul Calibur, that's, that looks pretty good." Well, but you were picking you picking you picking a game out, out, out of random that, you know, I didn't go out and buy. It's a game that just came out a few weeks ago. Yeah, but I did talk about that's KOF 13 and it coming out in the past and and, and mentioned that in the last 6 months. And um and and I've mentioned Blaze Blue many a time, so you know I I, I don't know I, I think you've mentioned Blaze Blue more this episode than you have in the last six months. Oh, you bastard! <laughs> hey, by the way, Solbro, uh, are you are you gonna buy Asura's Wrath? Oh, no, no, absolutely not. 
Um, I played the demo. I thought it was cool, but, I don't, <laughs> but I don't, it, has, I don't, it has Ryu DLC. I saw that, and it looks cool. But it's like <laughs> I, I'm not. I no. can't buy that for just. Let me let me say this. I gotta go out and buy that game just to buy the DLC in yeah, in yeah. addition yeah. to play that. No. You know you're going to. No, I'm not. <laughs> not at all. You know what? In, in a month I'm from going, now. In a month from now. Not same. only are you going to, uh-huh. I'm going to state now as a fact that you already have. Oh, no, I have no not. Matter, no matter what. Just regardless. I'll tell you, you what. I'll get his tax return and I'll do tell, it. I'll tell you what. I'm, I will make you a bet. A $50 bet. Um, go extending to the end of this year that I will not own that game unless it hey, is Hey, bro, are you enjoying me. that Asura's, Asura's Wrath game that you bought recently no. to get the Ryu DLC? <laughs> Because you bought it. No, I have not. I, yes, the, have. The, the last you game did. I purchased, and I purchased it months ago, was Street Fighter Cross Tekken. When I when I when I when I pre-purchased that. Other than that, that's the <laughs> last game I bought. You're just reinforcing the. Hey, but that's a fighting like, game, though, dude. But it's Capcom. It, it doesn't matter. I already. I'm already in. I'm already in the. Uh, I, eventually, I'll get other fighting games. Like I do want Soul Calibur Five, but I'm gonna get that used. And okay, I, I okay, do okay, 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 okay. Enough, right. enough. All right, all right, all right, all right. Go ahead, go ahead, Neo. <laughs> Both go ahead. of you, make your peace. I just want to say, I find uh-huh. it funny that this guy's crapping on us about uh, making fun of him about uh, fighting games and they rule and stuff, but yet he was complaining about Final Fantasy not being very innovative the last <laughs> couple installments. <laughs> I, <laughs> fighting games aren't exactly the mark of innovation, yes. I know there's examples of ones that do do it, but for, for, for the most part of it, they're... You know, they're all pretty much kind of the same. You know, they all well, kind of. I hey. know that fighting games can't compare to Silver's game of 2012, Osiris Wrath. Anyway, oh, moving oh on. Oh, boy. Yes. <laughs> I feel I'm going to win $50. That's what I'm. <laughs> Red, Red Comet 90 asks Go for it. Are you guys fans of the Ace Combat series? Ooh. If any of you three are fans, have you noticed the similarities between Gundam and Ace Combat? Ace Combat has taken a liking to super weapons, turns around like the Federation losing and then suddenly pushing the Xeon forces back with mobile suits, and nameless pilots screaming, Oh no, it's Mobius 1, which is somewhat akin to, It's the Gundam! (laughs) In fact, I've seen the similarities go a bit farther, where Ace Combat 5 seemed to show some similar plot development, like in Gundam Seed, which had finished airing a year or two before... Ace Combat 5's release. Do you think any of these similarities are merely coincidence, or that the writers behind Ace Combat deliberately took a page from Gundam? Well, I would think yes. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, it's probably highly influenced. Um, I, I played a little bit of some of the past Ace Combats, and I, 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 we, Neo and I both have a friend that's really into the Ace Combat games, so much so that he hates the most recent one because it seems so alien compared to the other ones. Shoji Ramaro, who... Um, who's on other Shinjuku Station podcast. He's a big fan of the Ace Combat series to the point where he goes out and buys the flight, the flight sticks for the games themselves. Yeah, he's wow. Talked, yeah. But well, I'm just saying is that he would be yeah. my authority on this, and um, I, you know, I, I get reviews from him. I think he's made the comparison to Gundam as well in the past. So. Well, I only play him a little bit, so I really don't know much about him, but it wouldn't surprise me if there was a, a, yeah. uh, an influence. Also, let's not forget, it's Bamco. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> At the end of the day. (laughs) So, exactly. And he also says, Chris, you said that you enjoy Magic the Gathering. Being a really casual player of the game, I was wondering, what do you enjoy? Standard, Commander, etc. I'm going to uh, duck out on this one and say go listen to Chaos Theater because we did an episode about Magic the Gathering. There you go, man. Crossover. Give me me a download. There you go, man. Go Go listen to Chaos Theater. All right, next we have some questions from the gatekeeper. So do you guys want to take a bet on what his questions are about? Oh, man, I'm sure, I'm sure they're about uh, world events. <laughs> How about you, Neil? 
Um, probably the um, the crisis in Europe, the bond, the uh, Euro crisis. If That's I had a soundboard, I, I would I would have like some incorrect thing, ding ding thing, or Price is Right sound thing. Do 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 do. Yeah. Uh, no, it's it's uh, it's about the gatekeepers. Shocking. Uh, yeah. Yes. Um, okay. Yeah, I'll I'll ask the question here, but first I'll read the question. But first I want to make something clear here, Mister the Gatekeeper. Oh. Uh, I have never seen the gatekeepers, and I've mentioned this in the past when you've asked about the gatekeepers. And have you gentlemen seen uh, gatekeepers? Not I have, not, but not a long the, time ago. Okay, not at, so not at the time of this recording. I can understand, <laughs> Mister the Gatekeeper, that you are a fan of it, mm-hmm. but I don't see why you have to keep asking us questions about it over and over again. We've already stated that two of us have not seen it, and one of us saw it a very long time ago. Mm-hmm. We don't have anything we can say in answer to your questions. We cannot answer. Yeah, yeah I'd have to. I, I only saw it once, and I'd have to. You know, anything that any questions I would say would be ill-informed more than normal. But go ahead with the question. <laughs> All right, he says. What if, what if Gatekeepers was released as part of Robotech? Oh-ho. Imagine a Sean taking over the role of a main character as opposed to the Shun Ukiya, we all, I mean, I know. I also imagine them only airing the second half of Gatekeepers, seeing as how that's when the Mecha make their first appearance. Okay, so you're at least self-aware of the fact that we have not watched the show, so please stop asking about it. Please. Oh, poor guy. <laughs> And uh, next question, he has some spoilery things which I won't mention. Mm-hmm. He says, how would you compare Full Metal Panic's explanation for the armed slaves against Gasaraki's explanation? I personally prefer FMP. So he puts the spoiler things in for Full Metal Panic, which um, having only watched the anime, I uh, can't really comment on because they haven't gotten that far into the story. Mm-hmm. And Gasaraki's, uh, it's, it's kind of weird. <laughs> it's pretty weird, so... Uh, if you gentlemen care to comment, uh, please do. If not, uh, we'll move on. Yeah, I, I agree with them. I think um, Full Metal Panics is a little bit easier to understand than Gasaraki because, yeah, it was kind of out there. So. Yeah. All right. Next, he says, have you ever looked at art for an anime and thought it was cool, but then watched said anime and found that the designs were really lacking? I.e., when I saw the covers for the Big O manga, I thought the designs were really good, but then I actually read it. Ooh. Not so good. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of the Big O manga, are you aware as to the reasons for why they didn't get Keiichi Sato to do the designs instead of the horrid Hitoshi Ariga? You know, he did the Mega Man manga. Uh, to answer the second questions first, no, I have no idea because I never read the Big O manga. Yeah. So disappointments uh, where the cover didn't match what was inside, gentlemen. Um, hmm. the, the Escaflone manga, most definitely. Um, I thought it was abysmal compared to the, uh, the actual, uh, actual uh, animated series. Although, um, I guess it was made for more so a, so- a shoujo audience. So, um, well, which Escaflone manga are you talking about? Because there's two of them. Um, the one... <sighs> there's, a, there's a shoujo one and a shonen one. I th- the only one I read was the shoujo one, so I never read the shonen one, so I, I guess I can only attest... To the, I didn't know it was the shoujo one. I just had it thrusted into my hands when I after I finished watching the TV show. Like, oh, you might, you might, you read might this like this. Guys. And I read it, and it was just not you like this. It was not my cup, man. It was just not my cup of tea. But uh, like, why aren't they doing Hadoukens? I'm trying to uh, shut up. It's not a Hadoukens. Oh my god. Um. Other than that, I'm trying to think of an anime where I saw the line art or, 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 or previews of it that I thought was going to be cool. 
And you know, Gasaraki, I, I just fell out of interest with. So, but it did look cool. <laughs> um, God dang it! I, I, I'll pass it off to you guys. Maybe I can think of one before we move on to the next question. I can't think of anything, so I have nothing to add. Uh, well then, I'm trying to think, but I got nothing. What about yeah. Dragon? 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 Oh, was it Dragon? I, it's not Dragon Yeah, Dragon Knot. Did that look cool? And then you watched the show and wanted to vomit. <laughs> yeah, it, it looked. <laughs> Well, okay. Yeah, it, looked, it looked okay, but then when I watched it, I was like, Bleh. "Ooh, there you go, all over yourself." <laughs> yeah, much, Neo. Um, yeah, I'm kind of um, Ava. Oh damn! <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned that because that's a perfect segue into the next question. He says, "Oh, awesome." <laughs> Speaking of the big O in general, obviously you guys don't think highly of the Evangelion fan bantering, as stated in episode 94. Man. But what do you think of the kind of fanboy bantering about? Big O. At least Big O gave many hints as to what the world was. He puts a link about some Big O theories. I actually thought up the theory that the Big O world was prone to premature eternal recurrence and changes every cycle thanks to Angel, a.k.a. God, a.k.a. the only being who is not affected by eternal recurrence. Yes, I'm aware that there is a point where analyzation ends and overanalyzation begins. I'm glad you recognize that. And also tomatoes. <laughs> I think you need to publish that point to uh, every freaking anime website and forum there is. Cause that's a quotable that's, right there. That's that, solely needed. That's, that's a quotable. That, that, that's is. right there, man. Ooh. Hey, Ooh. Good on you, Gatekeeper, man. Damn. Nice. Um, as for the big O, man. Uh, I think it was just executed poorly. The second, I, I, the second half. The yeah, second half. Yeah, that's what I mean. The, and it started out interesting, too, but it just... The execution uh, sucked. Yeah, it just fell off, man. Uh, that last couple episodes... I just it left me sad. <laughs> it was sad. I just was uninterested at that point. I'm like, you know, I'll finish this and go watch something good. Okay, so he also says, "Who Jesus. is Silver's man in Mobile Ops? Is it himself?" Sorry, I had to. I don't know. I never played the game. Silver, who would have been in your man in that game? Uh, I, I wouldn't know. <laughs> Maybe the ad guy. I couldn't. I, <laughs> I, I don't know why I never played mobile ops. Maybe I, I just yeah, I mean, couldn't afford it, or well, it or, was such a big hit here in America. You know, it should have been boy, easy to oh, find. Yeah, yeah, it was very difficult to find. So, it's was. on every toy. It's on every uh, video game shelf. <laughs> you guys are some funny mofos. Hey, hey, really. yeah, we are. Aren't we? We're funny. <laughs> hey. Yeah, he says digging real well, deep. <laughs> P.S. Oh, Since episode 94, I have begun noticing more and more Hatsune Miku around me. Not physically for now. Ooh. Good going, guys. You've pissed her off. Now we're all screwed. Oh, Read, the Read the tomes. Read the tomes. <laughs> I think bomb oh. shelters are going to come back. We finally reached our favorite Australian criminal, Mula Flaga. Oh, oh, yeah. Hold on. Hold on. Let me, let me sit back because this is going to be a long ride. <laughs> Shorter than you might think. Oh, really? Uh, he says, uh, just got to reply to your answers in episode 91's mailbag to my post in response to the Voltron related stuff. Chris, if you read this mailbag entry in its entirety, I will make this a moo made promise of this being last Voltron mailbag entry from me. Oh, he's oh, lying. So read, so read. He, says a whole, he says a bunch of Voltron stuff, which I'm not going to read. Oh, God dang it. <laughs> and he says, Chris, I went off the assumption because I remember you calling it overrated, so I made an assumption there, so offering up a small apology to you and Neo on that part. Well, Moo, I'm glad you realized how wrong you are. Oh, boy. And that you were big enough to realize how wrong you are. <laughs> well, it's like I said. I mean, nostalgia, nostalgia glasses are dangerous. You really don't want to go outside with those things on all the time. Yeah, soul bro. 
Uh, he says here, no Sobro, quick note, buddy. Ocean are doing the prelay stuff for it, not the old cast. Yay. Uh, thank, you for, thank you for pointing that out. Yay. P.S. <laughs> That's what Chris, it's all about. Did Emperor Palpatine get set free from The Hague? He was on the Shinjuku station at the movies episode for comic special. DK better watch out for him. Oh. Maybe so. Uh, DK, DK's got no issues with... Uh, oh, God. Could you really imagine, though, Emperor Palpatine and Coach Sandusky? Let's not. Hide out the town. <laughs> All right, next. <laughs> next question. Next question. Turn off your mic. From Matthew Grawbadger, who says, Gentlemen, with the end of the Frontier films, it's now or never. Captain Jeffrey Wilder and his eligibility for the Gundam Adama Memorial Officer's Mess. Mm-hmm. Does mocap surfing a 400-meter robot down a gravity well equal or exceed dive-bombing a teleporting space submarine into a planet? Discuss. It was a very stylish way of doing it. It was cool, <laughs> but it's the, you're, you're talking the Admiral. And, it, you know, Jeffrey Wilder did not have – I can speak on behalf of the Admiral because I know him. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, you my know mind. him. In my <laughs> mind. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Funny how that comes back to that earlier question about knowing people. But anyway. <laughs> hey, man, he's friends with us on Twitter. <laughs> no. um, oh. As cool as Wilder was, there just wasn't enough there to be uh, put into uh, the, uh, the Adama mess. I, I think, really, after watching Generation 1, Grodek deserves uh, you know, front and center seating Admiral Adama Memorial Mess Hall. The ball's on well, that captain. He, he has a point in this to, to add in that may affect your consideration. He says, also with the 25-episode time constraints, allowances must be made, Neil. Captain Wilder may well have been swigging liquor and eating noodles in his off time just <laughs> as much as the four-series admiral. The good captain may have just been more aloof and intense while waiting for the battle surfing. But once again, what do we always say? We can't get, when we review things, we can only go by what's on the screen. That You can speculate on that, and maybe that is the case. But did we see it? No, we didn't see it. Well, hey, um, if anything, uh, no, I'm not saying he's. I'm not saying he's garbage. Oh I'm no, just no, saying, no. It's just we I'm didn't. Just get, we didn't I don't think he's. Yeah, I mean, he needs to do more. We it, didn't have a lot of quality time with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I think you know when you think about him and like a guy like Rodak. Rodak, oh, mm-hmm. man, he's <laughs> his, 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 his chalice will always be full in the mess. <laughs> okay, moving on. Our next question is from Silver Fox Blade, who says, Have any of you guys ever explored role-playing games in the mecha genre, either on or off the internet? Likewise, for war games such as Heavy Gear, Jovian Chronicles, Battletech, or Gear Creek? Uh, no. No, I, I can't. I don't understand any of that stuff. I played Battletech when I was 12, and the one thing that got me is the, <laughs> is the size of the map was so big you can cover a entire kitchen table with it. Um, other than that, that's all my memories of it. <laughs> Okay. All right. Next, we have another question from Ava Supremacist Tiprog Noob. It says, hypothetical situation. You have a small, close, happy family. Mm-hmm. You have a wife and a few kids, all of whom you love with all your hearts. Kira Yamato and the Strike Freedom are about to sack your small village, kill you, <laughs> rape your wife, and sell your children. You are the last man alive. You have to choose another suit from a Gundam timeline that is not a Gundam or a main character mobile suit slash armor. You must try. What will you choose? Ooh, good question. What, what, what do you? Ch- what, it's it's not a main character. Can't suit. be a main character suit, and it can't be a Gundam. You gotta be kidding! Damn it! You're talking. Oh and, man! And you're fighting Strike Freedom. Because because all I was gonna say was turn A. 
wins oh, all. Oh, <laughs> not in this situation. Damn it. This the wishes was the Coliseum. Damn. Um, Too bad. So I got to take a grunt suit, basically. Yeah. And it's not a Gundam. Or a main character's suit. Oh, Jesus. Um, what was that suit you know, from... Uh, from uh, I, I gotta, I gotta say the name of it. Uh, Destiny. That was the the suit that the uh, the Federation used. That was transformable. It was the Masamune or the the Murasame. You mean the orb suit? Yeah, I guess it was a. It, sorry, it was, yeah, it was the orb suit, the Murasame. Uh, I, I'd probably go with that. Yeah, I don't know if that would. Either that or the uh, the Reg Z. I'd go with the Reg Z. But that's a main character suit. Yeah, it's Amaros. But other people used it. Uh, did he? But it's yeah, he did Fudge. Yeah. Um, see, this wow, guy... wow, wow. This, he made this into, like, the damn Kobayashi Maru. We can't win on this one. Yeah, you really can't. Okay. Oh. I, got, I got two scenarios here. Go ahead. Scenario one. I take a GM Sniper 2, snipe that little bitch in his cockpit, in the actual spot where the cockpit is, not off to the side of it, Shin Asuka. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, okay. Scenario number two. I take uh, the good old Suda from MS Siglu. Mm-hmm. I charge it up to three times faster, full explodey speed. Ooh. And sit on a collision course with uh, strike freedom. Jump out just before. Oh, I, I thought I was about to hear a double KO. <laughs> no, I'm not crazy. I want to live. I cannot stand to 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 um to not live and uh, and have Kiryamato possibly live. Oh, yeah. So he has to die regardless. Well, you thought yeah. this out. <laughs> yeah. But the, even though the chances of those succeeding is very low, because I'm sure well, I would be shouting at him like, "Don't you understand? Kagali is crying." Yeah, that could uh, work. Like, I'll figure him out. Be like, "What? Kagali's crying." That was my. That was my line. <laughs> Wait, that, what do you mean? <laughs> Boom! Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I'll be like, "You are your own man. Your future is yours, not his." Oh no! <laughs> no. What? No. What you do is you you have your your suit. As it's going full speed, it's got a picture of Flay. Uh-huh. <laughs> that'll, that'll make him stop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, my God. Hey, there, I'll, I'll just scream, Kira! Boom. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be like, hey, Kira, Flay is waiting for you. What? Man. Neo, did you say what your suit was? I can't think. I, I don't I know, go. man. Come on, dig deep, man. Dig deep. <laughs> <laughs> Not, <laughs> uh, it's, I don't know. Well, I pass. Right, you just you just give up. You just, you just keep it is, you too. Well, because no, because the guy is just making it where it's Kira's going to win regardless. Mm-hmm. I wonder what the correct I wonder what the correct answer is. I really there's, there's, there's got to be no, one. There is no answer. Damn. Because uh, <laughs> this guy's a douchebag and he's a Kira oh, lover. Oh damn, he's not a douche. He's just he, he made a he made a challenging question, and um, even though we'd still lose with any choose choice we'd make, man, uh, what what can you do? All right, this craft's been running too long, so we're going to have one last question to close it off. All right. Comes from Shinigami New Type. Says, hey there, guys. Once again, thanks for the awesome. You guys really do make my day. Anyway, I've always wondered about some of the more technical aspects of the show's production. I was hoping you could provide some insight. My question is, what kind of work goes into producing a standard episode of Gundam, i.e., when do you guys record? What is the editing process like, etc.? Just a brief rundown would be great. Thanks, and keep up the great work. So, obviously, this question goes to Neo. What? <laughs> Where do we record? Um, oh, we man. record on Tuesdays, uh, four o'clock in the morning. No doubt. Yeah. 
uh, Eastern time. And uh, I thought it was Zulu time. <laughs> Zulu. <laughs> Zulu time. That's right. Four o'clock Zulu time. Mm-hmm. Um. And uh, it's followed by eight hours of intense preparation before we do each episode. Mm. Yes. Yes. Uh, we, we cover every asset aspect of the, um, uh, of the episode. Uh, we every go over ass of the episode? That too. <laughs> we, we write every line and we compose a script and we follow that script uh, verbatim throughout. We never deviate. Never. So, no. Never. <laughs> all, all, all of the uh, rants and ravings, those are all planned. Um, we also use uh, what is it? Windows ninety five as our operating system. Oh man! Uh, a, an old reel to reel. It still got it. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh no! That's how we do it. Secrets my, out. My God! <laughs> thank God. So, no. do you do you have anything to pitch in there? Oh, thank God, none <laughs> of that is true. Um, <laughs> or is we, it? We we record on Sundays, usually in the afternoon. Uh, recording time usually takes anywhere from two to four hours. Usually four. <laughs> we talk too damn much. Yeah, we do. And a, a, a lot of stuff that doesn't make the show ends up on the uh, on the cutting room floor. Um, the stuff we say between segments. Um, you might get to hear that, though, sometime in the future. And we'll oh, explain. hey! Don't, <laughs> things. Oh. Don't, don't, be, don't be making promises. Hey, hey, I'll just throw that out into the ether and see what comes back. But um, we'll see what happens. But um, other than that, um, I, when it comes down to it, uh, that's when the fun begins because I have to edit it. I've, I've recently found ways to speed up my editing time. It used to take me about a week to, to take out all the, uh, the blank space in the show, but I've just given up on that. Uh, <laughs> I, I, found out, uh, I found a program, actually, that was pretty good called The Levelator, and I've been wanting to sing their praises for a while. It's a free program out there for any podcasters that are looking for it. It actually automatically levels the volume of the audio in the show. One of the biggest constant problems I have doing the show over Skype is that the volume is usually never level, and I have to go in there and do it by hand no effing longer. That I, did, I actually used it on the last episode, and it turned out great. And I plan on using it on this one, so it saves me even more time. Um, after that, so they lock you out of your account, right? Uh, with no, with no uh, forewarning. <laughs> no, no, it's free. It's it's a it's a program you download, and install. It's, and, it's heavy though. <laughs> until the program decides to stop working, un- they'll go and undownload it from your. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> they'll we, uninstall it remotely. This program no longer ceases to work. You have to do, you'll have to you have to pay for it. But um, they do have a donation drive, and for other podcasters that have been looking for a uh, an easier way to make the volume level in your shows. I highly suggest that you use it. Um, I plan on donating to them. But um, other than that, I, I edit the show in Audition. Um, I pretty much add all the, the audio effects and the, and the music and, and the clips and whatnot in Audition. And then I um, compress it to MP3 and post it up on uh, Libsyn. And uh, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. Now the process takes me about uh, one to two days. And it's pretty cool. Libsyn, not Mepio. Yeah, exactly. Uh, oh, I, I cursed. Oh. I'm the one. I'm the guy who cursed this time. That's insane. <laughs> Anyway, that that's the process, and uh, thank you for asking, Shinigami New Type. I appreciate it. Now we'll change it all. <laughs> <laughs> now we're gonna go. We're gonna go to eight track. Because <laughs> that's mad efficient. Uh, it, <laughs> sure old, is. An old soundboard that's uh, that takes up uh, eleven by uh, eleven by six room. Reel to reel tape. <laughs> no nah, man, the future Hello. is that. Hello, are we there? Hello. We're just going to go to vinyl and call it a day. <laughs> there you go. Vacuum tubes. 
So that will wrap up this extended mailbag segment. Uh, I'm sure there will be another one in a few months. And we'll be right back. You're listening to Gundam at MHQ. In a world where vivid flashbacks can strike without warning. In a world where a submissive adolescent must pilot a giant humanoid robot to save humanity. In the same world where a two-legged quadruped can run leisurely at the speed of sound with the aid of jewelry. Only one podcast can discuss this with their sanity intact. And this is Not That Podcast. www.ssapodcast.com The Ass Backwards Anime Podcast. Oh wait, I was supposed to use that voice in the beginning. Uh, let's go again. I can't believe Game & More forgave Gears of War 3 a 9.4. Ugh, those guys have rocks in their head. It clearly deserves at least a 9.6. Bro, why do you even care? Modern Warfare 3 is a far superior game in every way. You guys are still playing with your consoles? You need to fully immerse yourself in true PC gaming. Are you sick of nerd ragers making you feel like your games don't matter? Or do you feel like professional game magazines have sold out and only cover major releases? Sure you are, so join us here at secondopiniongames.com and let us make your video game conversations fun again. Our main podcast focuses on all gaming news big and small. And don't forget our other podcasts where we talk about video game collecting, fighting games, the best games you never played, and other just mindless and mindful ramblings that entail what our main focus is. Let us be your first stop in Second Opinion. So stop by secondopiniongames.com. You can also find us on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. purpose in this army to do whatever you tell me drill sergeant gun damn it gump you're gun damn genius that's the most outstanding answer i've ever heard you must have a gun damn iq of 160 you are gun damn gifted private gump Welcome back, gang, to Gundam at MAHQ. This closes out episode 96, where we reviewed uh, a short OVA, or ONA, if you'd like to call it, uh, Time of Eve. And then we blew up the mailbag as we uh, caught up with a, a great deal of messages and voicemails uh, for the uh, the mailbag. Uh, of course, uh, read to us by Chris. And um, any last words, fellas? 
well, in, in the time of Eve reviews, we had a special yes, guest yeah, reviewer God. from MHQ. Oh, my gosh. It's not me. Richardson. Yeah. Scott um, Richardson. The, much thanks and props to Scott Richardson for joining us in that segment. And, um, man, I, I deserve a slap for that. A bright slap. <laughs> Any other words? To you don't share, deserve to be touched by Bright's hand. Oh yes. wow, wow! It's like that, huh? <laughs> you deserve maybe like an archer slap. I deserve, I deserve a severe <laughs> airlocking. <laughs> you, you, you deserve a uh, a stern look from Janeway. Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> Space Cap- Catherine uh, Hepburn, huh? Uh, yeah, she. <laughs> My hat's so bro. <laughs> The hell was that? It's Captain Stain. <laughs> I don't even want it. I let's move on. Hey man. <laughs> <laughs> but any any other words to share, fellas? All right. Well, okay. definitely check these. Uh, <laughs> Neo, any any last words to share? No, no I said I'm good. Oh well, damn! I that's didn't hear that. All right, then. Well, listen. Well, shit. If you weren't so busy talking sober, you'd hear what other people have to say for once. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> Well, definitely peep these websites. Head on over where the magic happens. MAHQ.net. That's the Mecca and Anime headquarters. Also, you can check out Gundam's main website at Gundam.net. That's right, it's spelled as it sounds. Also, you can find us on iTunes, Facebook, and other forms of social networking. If you look for those links, you'll find them at Gundam.net as well. After listening to this episode, you should definitely check out Chaos Theater. And you can find it by going to chaostheater.blogspot.com. A jack-of-all-trades otaku podcast hosted by MAHQ and Gundam's own Chris Guanche and our favorite pedal bear South, Pedro Cortez. And um, I have a few shout-outs to give. Um, first shout-outs are to uh, the Gundam Nation, especially those at the Facebook group. It's growing by heads and uh, it's growing by leaps and bounds. Um, also, I want to thank... Uh, some reviewers that have been posting on iTunes. I've noticed that there's been a, a few new reviews recently, and I wanted to thank these people real quick. Uh, Dingo Stita, Bats22, Jonathan Hill, Merton Thompson, Cyber X Speed, Proper Crow, and K173. Thank you very much for your reviews. Uh, if, if, if our listeners can go and uh, not only write up reviews for Gundam, but also Chaos Theater and Laplace's Box. See, I almost said it. <laughs> Definitely go onto iTunes and uh, give us give us reviews for our shows up there. Please, goes- please write reviews because it, it helps uh, boost our uh, our rankings and possibility of being seen and discovered by even more people. So, yes. you know, do do your little part to help us out and, it, and help us reach a wider audience. It goes a great long it goes a long way. And um, much thanks for those who already have. And we look forward to more for all those podcasts. But um, that is it for episode ninety six of Gundam at MAHQ. We'll see you guys next time. But in terms of big reveals, we got to find out all the story, which is great. We've had 15 episodes of not knowing what's happening up to this point. And we get to find out everything about the UE, and it's sort of cool to see the whole Mars aspect brought in. It's been touched upon in Gundam, but not very much. So it's interesting to make that the focal point of this series. But I have to say that their episode really did belong to that man who's coming around here with his arms locked up behind him, Captain Grudek. And it was fantastic with the background music and the insert songs. And him and the emotions there as he warns the kid of the life that he's about to face, wanting nothing but revenge as he also condemns Yarkadole and the vegans for their attack on Earth for wanting nothing more than revenge. And we get to just see all of the revenge aspects here. And now all it does is make me wonder what's going to happen about him in the second generation as he seems to be locked up and be gone forever. 
Gundam at MAHQ is a Shinjuku station and MAHQ.net joint. A proud part of the AAA Podcast Network. You have backup? Oh yeah, all kinds of backup. Helicopters and shit. <laughs>